Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to the third year anniversary edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, ODPH Society? My name is Ken M. Joining me for this edition, you know him, he is the co-host, he is here every week. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And making his triumphant return to the studio, it is your coach, it is my coach, it is the coach, Coach Duffy. Now that things are semblance of life is starting to get back to normal, I think I can regularly make it a scheduled appointment now. And we love having you in the studio. It's going to be a great episode. We have a lot to discuss in the land of sports. News has been happening, so we got to break it down and give you our takes as we only can here on the ODPH. So join in the conversation on social media. Head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in the conversation on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And always remember, use the hashtag ODPH. So that being said, let's kick this off talking some Major League Baseball drama. And usually this time we'd be talking about the season and the games going on, but no. Obviously everything going on with C-19, the season has been postponed, and obviously when... The season never even really got started. It never really got started. Well, they play like five preseason games? No, they played a few, but they they, I want to say... They got maybe two weeks into the actual spring training games. Mm. Like they, they got into the warm ups, into this, into that, but like it wasn't very far. No, obviously, with everything getting shut down with the coronavirus, baseball's been put on hold. When we've been talking in recent weeks, hockey is making a plan to return. The NBA is making plans to return. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. Football has not been affected per se as much because their season obviously kicks off later this year. Right. So with Major League Baseball, it's been kind of waiting to see what's been going on. And the only thing that we can really say is we don't have a timetable when they're coming back. And it's messy. It is very messy. So, Pat, do you want to give us a quick recap here? Well, so like we all know, the season was getting ready to go. They were very short into spring training, and then the coronavirus pandemic uh, hit and everything got shut down. You know, and then it became kind of this cat and mouse game of will they, won't they? Will they play, won't they play? And it's been a very, very ugly back and forth uh, debate as to, you know, how many games are going to play, the pay scale and this and that with both sides, you know, seem, seem it's seeming like a very ugly divorce mm. and oddly reminiscent of 1994, um, just in the public perception of things. You know, so it's gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, players want to play, but then the owners are, are, you know, fighting back and forth with the money. And it's just this very ugly back and forth that it's almost reaching the 11th hour where, like, you got to get something done or it won't happen at all. Yeah, this has been absolutely the PR nightmare baseball was trying to avoid, and it is now just exploded. Yeah. Coach, your take. I have, I mean, as an outside guy watching all this, I mean, for me, and we'll, I'll dive into the basketball take. I mean, the NBA, the the NBA was midseason when all this went down, so it differs from how I'm going to feel about baseball. Sure, baseball obviously it struck right when opening day, or I mean, I guess I shouldn't say struck, but it you know the the pinnacle of it, I guess, really hit a boiling point right as opening day was around the corner. So the delay in the season, but you were still preparing to to play baseball. You know, like your season hadn't started yet. So, I mean, for me, 
I I think it's crazy the fact that they that both sides can't come together and come to some sort of agreement to figure something out because you still have time to salvage your season and I, I guess and then on the flip side of this the other take that I have is all the people that are like oh this will ruin this one baseball and all this and and everything listen there's been how many strikes in baseball in the last twenty five years just one and. That was what? That was, that was that the was, death of baseball in '94, that was, right? That was, that was mid-season, yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there Nobody people, would ever come back. There were there were people swearing it off. I'll never come back. And yeah, sure, you saw a little bit of a dip, but it wasn't exactly the quote unquote death. Right. And and it comes back every year. People every you know off season with uh, player signings and all this stuff. Oh, I'm never coming back to baseball. But they still sell out venues. Mm-hmm. So I once again, once things settle down and they come to some sort of agreement and baseball's played. There will be fans in the seats. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the death of baseball. This isn't the baseball is still going to be one of the premier sports in all of America and in the world. It's still going to be there. So everybody, calm down. Yeah, I'll say uh, step back from the ledge. Yeah, like I mean, I understand your frustration because as a fan and as somebody who you know we're craving something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, baseball purists, they're like, I, I want that baseball. I want that escape. And I get it because I'm sitting here staring at the fact that Notre Dame football might not be playing. And I'm literally ripping my hair out because I'm if Notre Dame doesn't play, what am I going to do on my Saturdays from 3.30 till 7 o'clock? I don't even know. I, I don't know. So, I mean, I've been thinking about taking out golf, guys. I mean, that's how I've desperate I've reached as far as what I need to do to find an avenue. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it, it's frustrating, yes, absolutely. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some sort of agreement. Now, on uh, Manfred, right? That's the yeah, uh, Rob, that, Man, yeah. Rob Manfred. I he's got to have the owners back. He is in position to be there because he is voted in by the owners. Mm-hmm. So players, you know, yeah, all right, you can get mad at him, but. When is ever the major league commissioner ever taking the player side? Faye Vincent years ago, when the owners wanted him out there, worse than anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, th- gotta- I think people's issue with Ma- I think the player's issue with Manfred is he's a relatively new guy. You weren't quite sure what you were going to get with him, and at least with Bud Selig, you knew he was coming from the position of being an owner, so you knew sure. where his loyalties lie. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, track record shows that yeah. unless you're you know that gentleman before Faye Vincent, Faye yeah. Vincent you're going to be on the on the owner's side. So, you know, them taking this stance. Now, on the player side of it, I understand that you want to get paid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you got to understand this from a business standpoint. If you don't play your entire season, are you really due your entire salary? I think the player's biggest issues is, okay, yeah, on the surface it's the pay. But it's that per- it's that percentage, that, that yeah. scale they keep talking about where – they don't. They don't like the percentage. They don't like the rate. Like, let's just you know, we'll figure out the games. Just adjust the the, the percentage of the sliding scale. The Major League Baseball has given them four, three or four different proposals of seasons. But no matter how they change it, how they flip it, that percentage stays the same. I guess for me, if you play seventy five percent of the games, you should be paid seventy five percent of your salary. That's just common sense. I don't understand where the as the two sides where that would be. You know, I mean, how is that difficult to understand that? Because at the end of the day, if you don't pay, you ain't getting played. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's the most puzzling thing about this, that for players that want their full contracts, how can you really sit there and justify that right now? Well, that's and, a, and that's the, the thing. And at the same token, you've got some some owners, not exactly publicly, but, you know, uh, what's the word? You know, off the record, saying, yeah. "Oh, it's oh, it's not easy to run a Major League Baseball franchise." Yet you, they Major League Baseball just signed a two 
billion dollar deal to, uh, with Turner Broadcasting Sports to further their partnership. Uh, two, year, two years ago, they signed a $5 billion deal with Fox. And hey, guess what? ESPN's deal is coming up either the, uh, next year, I want to say. So they're looking at you read the room. Well, you're talking north of $2 billion. You're, so you got a lot of players going, wait a minute. You can't figure out how to play all pay all the players. They do, you know, you got a bunch of major league franchises laying off their minor leaguers, not, you know, furloughing their own employees. But yet, you got major league baseball getting you know seven billion dollars from t- TV contracts. And see, and I, I, the article that I think I saw was in spe- they did specifically mention Milwaukee as a team that runs pretty much primarily off of the home concessions and whatever they draw sure. from ticket sales and sure. stuff like they're so yeah all right the lower market teams absolutely are going to have a difficult time maybe getting by and paying players sure you know their their full salaries or even a percentage but as an owner you kind of have to deal i mean that's business you're yeah. not always going to be in the black every I'm year saying, and yeah. if, if they play it's not just going to be the milwaukee brewers Every single team sure. at the major league level is going to be suffering some sort of income because if they're able to play these games, let's face it, the only people that are going to be there are the teams, the umpires, and the broadcast crew. Right. And that's it. And the broadcast crew ain't exactly paying admissions or for concessions. They might throw them, they might throw them a buck, few bucks, you know, hey, can we get something here? But no, the, all the teams are going to be losing. Right, exactly. And so, I mean, I get the understand, and I understand that, but it's just, you know, like the Yankees even. I mean, the yeah, they have the Yes Network, mm-hmm. but I mean, sure, and they're probably getting a percentage of, uh, you know, the revenue from that, you know, ESPN deal and the Fox oh, yeah. deal and the TBS yeah. deal, but not as much probably because of the fact that they have their own network that's yeah. nationally broadcasting games. So, I just, I guess, at the end of the day, I mean, if the the players and the owners need to come to some sort of terms because. While it won't be the death, like I said before, it's definitely going to put a nail in the coffin as far as. Uh, the sport being in a premier standpoint because, I mean, if the NBA does come back, if the NHL comes back, if NFL plays, and I mean, listen, I I know that I'm biased. Lacrosse is going to be on national television for the first time in national homes in years. I mean, they're literally, they're going to have, I think, maybe 10 or 15 games on the NBC network in prime time. Mm. Not to say that this is going to sway millions of Americans to now stop playing baseball to play lacrosse, but, I mean, now if this sport, you know, NBC is going to be looking for something to fill the void come next summer too. So if they have, you know, if the lacrosse does well, you know, maybe this is something that now gets nationally broadcasted and, and more eyes on the sport. Maybe that comes in and starts to fill some of the summer gap that baseball is leaving behind. Well, this is where the true test is going to be because, I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, this argument is millionaires fighting millionaires. Well, right, and, 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 and it's sure. all the arguments we heard 20-whatever years ago in 94. Right, and obviously in 94, it was a different time period. Obviously, we're living in a pandemic era right now. Right. So with that being said, how is this coming across when you have the unemployment rate for <sighs> your fan base is – astronomical right now mm-hmm. with everything going on and you're sitting there arguing about your money and what's guaranteed i like i say i agree with coach it's like if you play 75 percent of your games you can get paid 75 percent of right. your contract and that would just be the common sense thing if you only work 36 hours in a normal nine to five job mm-hmm. you're going to get paid the 36 hours that you work yeah they're not going to honor 
the additional four to make you a 40-hour employee when you're only working 36. Yeah. Say, there was one tweet I liked uh, from a writer who quoted one of the baseball agents, about, and it was specifically about the owner's current poverty. Uh, quote, the Marlins played without fans for 15 years, yet still, mani- <laughs> yet still managed to give a player the biggest contract in sports history, Giancarlo Stanton, and then sold the team for a billion dollar profit with five competing players. Yeah, they have no. There, right. There's there's fault on both sides, but for the owners sitting there going, it's not exactly financially sound investment to be running a baseball for. Please. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. That's what the look NBA at, look, did. Look at the Dodgers. What did the Dodgers sell for? You know, now granted, Dodgers and Marlins are apples and oranges, but, right? But still. If you a sports fan and you were watching Sports Center, you know for the last 15, 20 years, especially when they were playing in Dolphin Stadium, you know what that stadium looked like. Absolutely empty, mm-hmm. minus you know their World Series run in two thousand three, but empty. So they're not exactly getting the you know the high end revenue, even when the big teams were coming through. You know Barry Bonds in his heyday and the Yankees every one every however many years, you know, but they still turned around and sold it for a billion dollar profit. Come on. Well, that's that's the whole point, that they can't sit there and, and, and cry money woes when running a team, and they have done, they've been doing for how many years now? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have any new ownership group that is in there that is completely blind to this fact. Yeah. But the fact that they have to realize what reality we live in, and if you're going to sit there and argue about contracts with players – and I understand guaranteed contracts, sure, but at this time period, you have to take in the consideration of what's going on around you. Right. And let's not. And for the owners too to cry about money woes. Remember, before C nineteen was breaking out, it was all about the dissolving of minor league baseball. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Folding like fifty yeah. percent of the minor league systems. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, and major league baseball's got to be loving that. Yeah. So. I mean, for the owners, they need to come to the agreement, and they need to come to agreement quick. For the players' union. I know that uh, Tony Clark has been very vocal for him, and mm-hmm. they and they basically put out the message: "We're done talking. It's time to get back to work. Tell us when and where." Well, right, and especially players have getting been getting very vocal. Trevor Bauer, most, oh, most notably, uh, series of tweets here uh, said, "Quote: So, Rob, explain to how explain to us how you can be one hundred percent sure that there's going to be a baseball, there's going to be baseball, but not confident there will be a ba- be baseball at the same time." Hmm. What changed between those statements? Players told you to set the season, but it's too early to set the season right now. Isn't it, Rob? Because then you'd have to explain why you're only going to impose 50 games when we could easily play 70-plus right now. The tactic is to bluff with no season again and delay another two to three weeks until you clear the risk of not negotiating in good faith by trying to play as many games as possible. The public backlash combined with the potential of having to explain yourself in front of an arbiter isn't too appealing, is it? Let's see. The way I have it figured, you want to play between 50 and 60 games. Can't make it 50 because that would be too obvious to everyone that you were uh, to everyone what you you were trying to do, and no one would think that was a rep- representative season. So you'd risk not getting your precious playoff money. No one can have that, so you got to make it more than that. But not too many. You've gone about you've gone as high as about 55 games full prorated salary. So you'll probably settle somewhere around there. Potentially a couple of games higher than that to throw people off the scent. Isn't that right, Rob? So in the, that scenario, let's see. September 27th end date to protect playoff TV schedules. 60-ish games, going to have to be at least four days off in there. So that's 64 days, plus about 20 for spring training, 84 days. September 27th, uh, 84 days is July 5th. So about a week to get players to spring training, so tack on another seven. That takes us to June 28th. As I have it figured, that's your deadline. But today is June 15th. 
So you know, so how do you delay another 13 days? Guess we all got that answered today. Threaten to cancel the season, threaten arbitration, threaten grievances, all the while hold the fans for ransom, hold the future of the game for ransom. No one believes your bluff, bud. You're holding a losing hand. Unfortunately, it's a losing hand for everyone involved, not just you. There's some saying out there that, about not killing the goose that lays the golden eggs. Check it out. Uh, check out. Check it out on the old Google machine. It's worth knowing. Here we go. I'll solve your problem, baseball. Leave everybody in Florida and Arizona for spring training. Leave them there. Do your spring training and just have the season played in the grapefruit and orange league. I think that was initial when before all the, the drama. And the nonsense. The initial plan was Florida because you remember when mm-hmm. WWE got the clearance and UFC yeah. got the clearance. The wording of the law was very vague. Oh, or sure. Whatever. Well, right. That was the plan because yeah. you figure there's already enough uh, facilities in Florida because you know half of baseball already trains there. Mm-hmm. Between the, the playoff facilities, the minor league facilities, the college facilities, the high school facilities, there's enough there that like you can work this out. Right. And the same can go for Arizona. Right, exactly. That's why you just leave the two and then that's your that's your the uh leagues for the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the grapefruit and then the yeah. orange league uh, or whatever Florida is called and then done. Those so I mean obviously the Mets train in Florida with the Yankees yeah. then they're in the same uh, division for the year and let's ride it out and then at the end of the year the representative from Florida and the representative from Arizona can play uh, World Series come September yeah boom you're welcome baseball well, and I'm not even a baseball guy and I saved your sport well that's the whole point and I mean to reecho the quote that Tony Clark said represent the players it's time to get back to work tell us when and where exact quote. Coach nailed it right on the head because mm-hmm. if everybody is being quarantined right now, which right. Mm-hmm. which I believe is the case, yeah, then they should just immediately put something together and make a season happen. Why because, get messy with travel well, when you got everything in front of you? And and that's the whole point because when they were starting, trying to start doing spring training, that was the whole idea. Keep teams quarantined for the safety of the players, which is the biggest thing overall. If you're going to be trying to do a season – how is how are you making sure your players are safe? Right. So I can't speak for every player, but I do I do know that at least Garrett Cole is in New York because right. he posted a video, yeah, on, posted on, a video. Uh, on Instagram the other day of having a bullpen session at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, but so. he can easily get a oh, yeah. Steinbrenner plane down to Florida yeah. and be but, there. But like I say, they, yeah, and, and like Coach touched upon, I mean they they have ways to make sure the players can get to the isolation right and where they need to be. I mean, is it ideal situations? No, oh, of course but, not. No. But but then again. We are dealing with an entirely new way of living right now, which it is what it is. Let, mm-hmm. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. So for them to sit there and argue about their season, and especially from the bad PR they had with the Astros cheating scandal, mm-hmm. which Manfred did not do a good job with. No, no it was he didn't. atrocious. So the only team winning out on this whole no season thing right now is the Astros because they'd be getting booed incessantly for half the yeah. year. Facts. Yeah. yeah. They're the only. They're the only team that. Is <laughs> they're probably like, hey, can we get away with not having to see? Keep yeah. these headlines up. <laughs> yeah, they're hoping that everybody forgets about it. But for Fat everything, chance. yeah, for I know. But for everything that they're saying though, is the Astro scandal, what they were doing with minor league baseball, mm-hmm. and now if they decide to sit the year out because they're arguing about money, mm-hmm. in my opinion, baseball will drop from wherever you have it ranked in the big four sports in North America or worldwide, however you have it ranked, it's going to plummet. Because, yes, will fans come back to it? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely they will. But you have to think, when they went on strike in 94, 
How long did it take for them to come back? Ooh. And they, oh. I know the answer to that. Coach? Uh, 98. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and here's the thing. Even if they do play season 50 games, 60 games, 70, whatever it is. Yeah. In the immediate future, 5, 10, 15 years, we'll look back on it and people will have their opinions, good, bad, or otherwise. But in enough time on a sports show or web series, whatever we're at technologically, when they talk about that season and they go, oh, hey, asterisk, it was only X number of games. And then, oh, hey, it was because of the the coronavirus pandemic. And everyone will be going, no one will be thinking, oh, thinking about the money and the arguments and this. Oh, it was shortened because there was a global pandemic. Oh, okay. I know. Like, that is the thing that is so frustrating about all of this. From NBA to the NHL to Major League Baseball, all the sports that were active at the time that this happened. I think people will give you a pass. Yes. And understand that shit Hit the fan, things got way crazy, Mm -hmm. and you know what? You weren't ready for it. I think people will look back and forgive you if a season is not held. I mean, I'm going to save that for the NBA take, but I'm just saying, like, my God, stop sitting here and being petty as shit over dumb stuff when there's so much more going on that it's all right if you don't have something planned. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, if baseball doesn't play... Right, if it would have blamed, if it would have just been because, listen, logistically it's a nightmare. We can't, you know, with the quarantine, we 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 don't feel comfortable with our players being in different places. Our roster sizes are too big. Whatever, you know, like they could have pushed that, and I would have been that would have been the narrative. That would have been fine. But the problem is, is that it got between the ownership and the players, and money got involved, and greed got involved, and that's where shit hit south. One hundred percent fact. That's where things went nuts. Yeah. The NHL, it's like, all right, we're, we can't find a place to put people. That's their problem. The NBA has got some additional stuff going on, and, and that's, you know, again, something that we'll go into. But they've got other stuff that's going on, but they found a secure location. The NFL, they're still trying to figure out places to do uh, camps and training camps and OTAs and everything. And, you know, whether they're going to allow, um, you know, uh, OTAs, whether they're going to allow mixed team practices, you know, so they've got stuff going on. But if uh, it, all the MLB needed to do was just, all right, let's hammer something out and let's figure this out and get be done with it. But if it doesn't, then we there's nothing we can do because the pandemic's too much. And that was it. And, yeah. and they were never prepared for this because, let's remember, the last time something even close to this happened was in 1918 where there were 16 teams and the primary method of travel was train. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's like you have a built-in excuse why you couldn't have a season. Yeah, but the problem is, is you let negotiations get greedy and dirty, and now you muddy up the water, and now people see it because you got people like Trevor Bauer mm-hmm. who are putting everything on blast, Manfred who is, you know, given uh, the dumbest quotes yeah. that are just, I mean, putting the keep cart your, before the horse, put keep a sock in it, brother. I mean, you yeah. can't go out and say I guarantee there's going to be baseball, and then three days later say. Yeah, there won't be baseball. Because yeah, now I, I you be, look like an idiot. I can't be 100% certain. Like, damn. It, it doesn't make any sense what he is doing because their PR is atrocious like, for this. Even mm-hmm. Goodell, for as robotic and just just non, like, in the moment as Goodell can be, mm-hmm. even he has handled this better than Manfred could ever have. I, liked the, I saw one tweet that I really enjoyed, and I know you'll enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, don't remember it exactly, so I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, somebody on Twitter the other day, in the midst of all this craziness, said uh, Rob Manfred single-handedly made Gary Bettman 
the num- <laughs> the no- the number two most hated commissioner in, 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 in sports. And remember, Gary Bettman can't ever get a new CBA done on time. Yeah. No, it's it's true fact. Manfred's legacy right now. For, for as much as Selig's legacy was the steroids and the, that all-star game debacle and whatever it was, 2002, 2003, you know, that was Selig's legacy. Yeah. This is potentially Manfred's, and he's just getting started. He's just getting started, but he's not going to make it through. Well, yeah, I mean, shit, at least Selig can hang his hat on, hey, you know, Derek Jeter and the Yankees and all, mm-hmm. you know, the glory days and all that stuff. Like, yeah, Manfred's got the Astros mm-hmm. and now this. So, yeah. And whatever happens with minor league baseball, too. Because, I mean, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, their season is done. Like, we can't even count them right well, now. Because uh, I yeah, think, unfortunately, yeah, they're well, done. We but say, you can't. We should yeah. say it's not officially done, but signs are pointing. No, out. but Listen, I'm just saying the, 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 the optic test. Right. Well, I mean, from a, from a logistical and safety standpoint, and I mean, listen, I empathize, I empathize with you minor league baseball players who, you know, chasing your dream, this is how you make your yearly income, all that stuff. I empathize with you guys so much because I understand that, you know, this is very difficult because now you have a year taken away from you where you might have been on the cusp of being, you know, called up to the majors and now poof, that's gone. I get it. But, you know, from a safety standpoint, adding more bodies to the equation helps nobody. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said they're done for the year. They have but, to but, be. but it's a safety. Yeah, but for right. them it's a safety issue more than the A the NHL and Batman handled the AHL stuff perfectly. Yeah. Hey, listen, you guys are done. We can't. There's nothing that we can do to try and salvage your season. It's done. Yeah. Perfect. And that's all they need to do because yeah. for that, it was a safety purpose. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Baseball, this whole bullshit is based off of money. And right. goes. And, yeah, and it's just who's going to blink first, Manfred or Tony Clark and the Players Association? I mean, it but, sounds like it's going to have to be Manfred because I don't think the players are going to budge. Well, it's like Clark's been at this a little bit longer than Manfred. Well, that's going to be the whole point is if Manfred can make a season happen, whether it's going to be 74 games, whether it's going to be 54. I mean, the numbers are getting thrown out left and right, but the major fact has to be, okay, we have to make this work however we can make this work. And if you're not going to do it, I don't know if you're going to have another home run derby chase to bring your sport back because if you're mm-hmm. the only if you're the only sport that is sitting out because of money, not safety, right. but money. Exactly. During this time period and like I can't stress enough with the unemployment rate as it is in the United States alone, you can't sit there and argue about money when every other league around you is taking pay cuts essentially to make a season happen and make it work yeah i mean outside in the nba outside of the big 10 you know players who Mm -hmm. already have their money paid up front nobody's been paid during this time right Mm -hmm. and all you don't hear them saying you know woe is me i I know a couple guys have said hey we're not getting paid right now like don't think that we're sitting here pretty at home so you know even other professional sports teams aren't getting paid right now so it's like you got to, you got to, you know, as the, as the popular phrase is during this time, you got to read the room. Yeah. Yeah. So you just got a lot, you got to, what do you know what you got to do? You got to lock Tony Clark and Rob Manford in a room with Jerry Springer and Dr. Phil. Get them, get it sorted. However you need to make it happen, but something has to give. So to close this out, do we have a season in 2020 coach? Partially. Uh, yeah. It's going to be real short though. Real short. Yeah. I say no. Okay. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I really want to stress this. I hope I'm wrong. But as it's standing right now, it is not looking good. And if baseball is the one sitting out this year, 
not for health, not for safety, but for money, it's a wrap. It's going to take a long time for them to even come back to relevancy. But hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your take about the MLB situation? Are we going to have a season? Are we not? And whose side are you on in this argument? We definitely want to talk. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you. One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing newly streaming classic and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three to five minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com to subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Movie Punch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash One Movie Punch. We'll see you there. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and let us talk some basketball. Let us talk some NBA. The season is coming back. Hopefully. Hopefully. We have Coach finally in the studio. Yes. So, Coach, why don't you give us your take on everything? I Listen, as much as I can't take – I mean, I, I've loved watching them, but I can't do it anymore. Uh, the 99 Knicks run, the uh, greatest games, the 94 run. I love watching them because, you know, if I would have known that that was been the best that it was going to be, if those were going to be the glory days, I would have enjoyed them just a tad bit more. I I wish the NBA wasn't coming back. I don't want them to return because, and I will tell you why, I don't want next season to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. I, I hate the idea that we are going to play games and we are going to have the season extended and now eat into the following year. So now every mm-hmm. team's not going to return to December. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. Why not just say, hey, listen, this happened and we're going to move forward for the following year and just be done with it? That makes, and you could have just crowned a, a 2018 or a 2019, 2020, 2021 champion, you know, and, and had it been that season. Because at the end of the day, or put a pause and just have the season extended into the next year and everybody could have just started where their things were. But just don't eat into the following year because now you have fans like Ken and I who mm. are Knicks fans who now, because they weren't four games within eighth place, are now sitting at home for the next four month, five months. And we're not going to see Knicks basketball till December. Mm-hmm. But, hey, don't worry. You're going to get your New Orleans Pelicans because they slide in at the 13th seed for the West Conference. Washington Wizards. You're going to get them as your 11th seed because, hey, they snuck in four games outside of eighth. I just That's really frustrating to me that 
you know, and I understand from a safety standpoint why not the extra bodies and everything, but at the end of the day, being a fan of a team, I don't want to have to wait till December now for them to get rolling. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. Not to mention the fact that they are in the biggest market in all of basketball, and now you're going to sit that team out for an additional five months just so you can crown a champion, just so you can say that you played? What benefit are you getting out of being in Orlando right now other than honoring your TV contracts? Nothing. Well, I, for me, I understand that point, and I, I do agree about it's a tough call to have your teams that are outside looking in stay out and they're not going to be on the court until December. I get that. But if they want to finish the season, I'm not struggling as much. Okay. And I mean, yeah, I, no, I get it. Yeah. No, no. Like I said, yeah. we can agree to disagree on yeah. that show. It's, it's perfectly no, fine. No, I mean, I listen, I would have done. Am I going to watch it? Come on. I'm yeah. bored as shit. If I watch one more <laughs> LJ hit that shot over Antonio Davis in the final, in the Eastern Conference Finals in Game 7 in New York, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Or Game 6. I don't even know what I'm going to do anymore. Like, I've seen it 17 times now. Yeah. I, I, I've watched the Allen Houston shot against Miami four. I get it. I know the shot's going to go in. But I just... I, I, I want to watch teams play in full capacity in a full season in grandeur. Mm-hmm. And not just this reduced thing of, all right, we're going to select teams that are f- within four games of eighth place, you know, and it's just, it, I want to watch basketball. No, and, and I fully get that, and I fully respect that. But like I say, for my take on it is I'm 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 excited to see them come back, and I know that they were put in a tough position of, do we cancel the season or do we try making something happen? And they're trying to make something happen, and they're trying to finish out and honor the integrity of the sport. I get it. And it's not the ideal way to do it, but they're trying to make something happen. The players want to come back. The safety is coming first because they're going right. to be isolated down in Disney, which is what they should be doing. If you're going to run, if you're going to run back the season, be someplace where the players and everybody involved is going to be in a safe and healthy environment as sure. best as possible. Because obviously, with the C19, it's it's so struggling to try making something happen. But if they're doing all the safety prop, proper safety precautions, then I'm okay with it. And this is one thing that I think they've been very smart. And I have to applaud Adam Silver about because he has really been taking the time to make it happen. Yeah. Is it the right call to do with the teams involved? It's debatable. It is. And I fully get your point of, okay, the teams that are outside looking in, what are they going to be doing now? And sitting on their thumbs. Yeah, they're going to be sitting, and I don't know if they're going to be allowed. Maybe they can get practice time in or, or do some. Well, I know I, their facilities, once your state, respective state opens up, you're going to be like the Rangers right now are doing stuff in uh, Connecticut right now as it's slowly starting to open up. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're looking at the fact that, you know, now the finals are going to be, they what, projected September? Yes. So the finals are in September. The draft's not going to be till the following uh, probably week. So now you're looking at you know October training. You know October. So the players, the wear and tear on the players. I mean, I know that they haven't been playing and everything, but like you talk about, you know, LeBron talks about it a lot. The mileage that adds up from you know the Olympics. Oh sure. Uh, the you know the the playing into the finals, going to the Olympics, and then going right into training camp. Basically, come you know August usually. 
now you're looking at the fact that, all right, you've had the last four months off, mm. right? You're going to go into this abbreviated training camp to get you know a little bit of game speed up. You're going to be playing these games from, I believe they're saying July... July 31st. 31st, okay. So July 31st. And I'm just going to continue to use LeBron as my example sure. because, I mean, uh, chances are they're going to be in the finals. So, you know, you got LeBron looking at that July, 20th, July 31st. Uh, an abbreviated, probably short little break there. And then you're going to have the draft probably at the end of uh, October. Training camp start November. Your season start in December. Now you're going in another another abbreviated season from December to probably July or June. Or June, June. Mm-hmm. And then the Olympics now coming up. It is a tough call about that. I will give you that. But I think that right now they're thinking – Short term, not long term. I say they just wipe the whole season. Damn. Wipe the whole season just because there's so much uncertainty with stuff going on. Florida's numbers in terms of new cases have been swinging up really high the last couple of days. You've had some cities in the United States pausing their reopening stuff. I, I think, okay, you put him in Disney, great. Disney in California is already partially reopened. I think Florida was looking at reopening here relatively shortly. Yep. There's just too much at stake in questioning and just from a you know you, you when you think about being doing science experiments in high school sure you want the stuff to be safe you want it to be certain you want to know what's going to happen when you mix the you know the two chemicals together right you don't want to you know set the proverbial lab on fire i i think there's just too much going on and there's too much question and especially like coach mentioned screwing with the next season and just messing that whole thing up that that's the thing that kills me i, yeah. I understand that the players want to come back and the players want to play and they, yep. and they want to give a service to the fans that hey we know things are absolute shit right now but we want to provide something for you we want to give you a distraction but i i just don't think it's a smart idea just wipe the season no i mean it's a valid argument and this is one that you can go back and forth about and like for me I understand, and if they did say it was canceled, I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't right. be happy, but okay, I would get it. But I think what they want to say is while things are, I don't want to say getting back to normal because that is not the verbiage I want to say. I think a sense of normalcy. A sense is of normal. Thank you. That That's a better one. I think that now as you're seeing different states are, are starting to lift up restrictions, that they want to try getting back to a season because we honestly don't know what the future is going to hold. And, and that's one of the yeah. things that worries me is, okay, whatever date it is that they decide to resume, let's just say they get a week and a half into it, mm-hmm. two weeks into it, and all of a sudden, God forbid, something ha- happens, and they got to shut it all down again and go, hey, well, you know what, guys, we, we can't finish out the season. I mean, it takes one more case to you know rip the tides right open again. And, I mean, that's the thing that kills me is that why not just can't – I mean – the future is the unknown, right? Like, we yeah. don't know what's coming. Yeah. So, in the short term, while you have everything in front of you, I think it would be so much easier to cancel and then let things ride out because yeah. then you can see what's coming. I mean, yeah. a good example is the upcoming school year. They have no idea what's going to come. Mm-hmm. They have the answer for the short term, but they have no idea what is to come. But at least in that term, you can start planning your ideas instead of trying to find things in the short term. You know what I mean? Of, yeah. All right, let's just throw everybody in Disney and go from there. You know, Long term, you can say, all right, we're going to start our season in a normal time. Here is step A. You know, Here is plan A. If everything works out perfectly, season as normal. If things don't work well, here is plan B, and that's where you go. If things really hit the fan, here is plan C, and this is where we go from there. So now you have steps that you can follow 
that you can plan and have this more logistically sound than just fly everybody to Orlando and say, hey, Disney, thanks for hosting us. Here's basketball. Yeah, and, and it just to me, if you think of a car, it's not a good idea to turn your car on, start accelerating it down the road, and then shut it off mid-drive. You know, you can say the same for the NBA. I don't think it's the smartest idea in the world to start the season off if, God forbid, something happens and they got to shut it all down again. And this is where the NFL has that because yeah. that's what the NFL is doing. That's what they're doing right now. They are planning A, plan B, and plan C, and they're having everything planned out so that if something goes wrong, they have the alternative option to turn to. And that's the smart thing that they have the luxury to do, but I think for, right, the, and they do. But for the NBA and the NHL, they don't. They did. Well, they did. If they canceled. <laughs> if, they, if they fully outright canceled. Yeah. But if the players are saying they want to play, and LeBron James has been leading the charge about Listen, this. Listen, hey, I want you to play too. Yeah. I'm sure Adam Silver wants you to play too. Mm-hmm. But you gotta, you have to, at some point, you have to kind of remove yourself from being LeBron James or Sidney Crosby or whoever you are and just see what, again, the temperature in the room is. Mm-hmm. Listen, everybody need like, People who love sports want to see sports right sure. now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. we're desperate yeah. for it. You yeah. know, what I mean, but at the end of the day, your safety and your family's safety should be something that you should be considering. I mean, shit, I was locked in my house because I was concerned not for me, but my kids of what could happen. And I'm just a little guy. Yeah. You know, I'm just, just a little guy who means, you know, other than t- talking on a podcast and my nine to five job. Nothing to, you know, them, you know? Oh, absolutely. LeBron no. James, you are millions to your family. And if something goes wrong, there that, you know, what what happens then, you know? So to me, I would think if I was LeBron James, I would say, "Hey, listen, I love your quarantine idea and I love going to Disney, favorite place to be. I ain't playing basketball again until I know things are safe." Cuz what happens even if, you know, the state does it, Florida doesn't shut down, but Disney shuts down again? What happens then? Well, they're going to have to cross that when they come to it. It takes but, one case. Yeah. It takes one case. It takes one more Rudy Gobert being at a press conference, rubbing microphones to cause all of this to go awry. So that's why if I – and uh, basketball is such a contact sport. With baseball, yeah, you're not contacting other than sharing the ball and maybe a playing – you know, uh, a play at first or a play at second. You know, like there's very little contact. You can control that. Well, and and the other issue you have is you have some of the local media down in Florida reporting that in the last seven days, Florida has had over 14,000 new cases. Right, and and same with the NHL. They can't find anywhere to go. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're, they're, you know, right now, and and for them, you know, when you're you're sitting here and you're trying to think of hubs to put teams, that's where it's got to be like, hey, listen, this is not a good idea. And those are all valid points. I'm not saying that there is a right or wrong answer mm-hmm. for this. So, well, there's not because yeah. what the hell do we know? Oh, exactly. you know, I mean, but I, but for my take on it is, if they feel comfortable going to play, and the system is set up right now for them to go try making the season finish, I, what am I to say? No, well, I, then, and that's <laughs> they're not going to listen to you anyway. I oh, know, but. but 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 my thing is. I, but I'm in. If I was in a player and I was and I had that option too, I would go. That's but that's me. That's you. But, I and me. I. I mean, if I'm Devin Booker, I might go because I mean I don't have, you know, a family and kids and all that to worry about. Yeah. If I'm LeBron, I'm probably gonna say uh, I'll pass. But if but he is saying that with the situation at hand to, to paraphrase. He's feeling that they want to finish the season out. They took the big uh, Zoom call, I believe it was. Yeah, and all the players for the majority of. Everybody involved was saying they wanted to go. And 
listen, as an as a kid, I mean, Lee, I as a guy who avidly likes to play my summer league lacrosse because of my passion for the sport, mm-hmm. you know, I've come to the realization that I'm probably not going to play, which, you know, this might have been my last year of being able to play. The fact that I'm 33, now looking at 34, I'm not able to keep up with these college kids. Mm-hmm. So I understand the notion of, you know, wanting to be out there and wanting to play. But, I mean, safety, you know, as we talked about with baseball, needs to be first, second, and third as far as priority. Mm-hmm. Fourth then needs to be, all right, let's play games. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's just it's an imperfect situation in an imperfect time. And there isn't a right answer because, again, you know, all right, let's say they cancel. Yeah. You know, you're going to have the, the the basketball purists and all those people that are, ah, basketball they, they can't play during this and then you're gonna have on the flip side of it people like pat and i who say it's smart smart move good call yeah it's it's gonna be one that goes back and forth i mean it just depends on what happens but i think right now if they feel comfortable going and the situation is accommodating to them to be to stay safe that's the big well, thing the first thing that they did that I really appreciate, and Adam Silver came out and said this, that there won't be repercussions if you don't want to go. Yeah, and I think that's also... Which, that's a smart idea. Yeah. It's, it, that is the right take to make. That if a player doesn't want to go, they shouldn't feel forced. And he has basically said there will be no repercussions. This is not going to come down on you in any negative situation if you don't want to come and play. So for the players that want to be there, they're going to go. Right. And I, I that's why I say I don't really struggle with anything the NBA is doing here. For what, yeah, and like I, I understand about pushing the season back, but Adam Silver has been leading the charge about accommodating his league. He has been handling this real well. Oh, That's phenomenally. The one thing I will say, even though I don't agree that they're going to do it, is at least Adam Silver has been very mindful of everything that's been going on around him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he still is going to be watching everything going on. And if he has to make the call that they can't do the season, that it's not working, I'm sure he's going to pull the plug on it. Right. It's just going to be one of those situations that. If they have the opportunity to do it and, like they say, to get the players involved and say, do you want to play? And the majority of them said resoundingly yes. Sure. Then he is accommodating them to the best possible situation. So if they want to go, they can go play. And it's going to be some great basketball because I think with them being rested, I think that you're going to have some phenomenal on-the-court action. And I think that they're going to really want to go and put on a show for everybody that – has been missing the NBA and missing sports, and they're going to really want to try giving everybody watching something to remember. I can't fault them about this. So I'm reading an article here from The Athletic. Uh, based off of some of the r- rules players and teams will have to follow uh, to be in the Disney bubble, I'm not sure they're going to want to, want to go through with this. Uh, notably on this uh, is Phase 4.A. I'm reading this uh, from July 7th through the 11th. Players will have the option to wear a proximity alarm that will notify a player if he spends more than five seconds within six feet of another person on campus who is also wearing an alarm. All team and league staff, potentially excluding referees, must wear the alarm. It is optional for players. Holy crap. Well, like I say, it's not going to be exactly the easiest ways to get adjusted to down there. But if they are making sure that these are the safety protocols that they want to do, I mean, we, this is the only time I've, I think I've heard about that. I haven't heard about it, how the UFC is doing it or WWE in comparison because those are the only two organizations running at this current time. Well, I mean, I think it's tough to compare the two to the NBA just because the NBA has has such a logistical situation with the number of players and coach. You know, just from, right. a, from a numbers standpoint, you know, I mean, the UFC can limit to 
the people fighting what are they having like a, their head trainer and like maybe they're uh, having a small camp with yeah them. small camp with them so i mean they can really bottleneck the the number i mean i know the nba has uh you know kept a contingency plan of how many people they are allowing as far mm-hmm. as roster and and coaches and assistants but i mean it's still so many bodies. Let's say one of the benefits of this, because I'm reading further down the article, Disney chefs will prepare daily meals, and there will also be a room service option, subject to a few exceptions. Food deliveries from outside of the NBA <laughs> campus are not permitted. <laughs> All right. So well, now Pat's changing his mind. Well, well, I'm, food yeah. I'm just saying, like, uh, that ain't bad. I've been to Disney a couple times. Food down there is pretty good. Yeah, I mean... It's it's it for the players who want to be there. I'm sure they're going to be accommodating them very well Absolutely, because at yeah. the end of the day, they are you know Adam Silver gets it. It is a player driven league, mm-hmm. and he uh, the difference here here you go. The difference between him and Manfred is that Silver gets who puts the money in the seats. Yep, you know what I mean. Like Manfred is forgetting the idea of who actually is the is the the cog that spins the wheel. You know. Uh, Silver gets it, so he's going to accommodate the players, and that's the smart move. Oh, they, they, they can also bring their own personal chef, but you ha- they have to foot the bill of bringing him there. See? Everything is falling to the NBA player side here. Yeah. Well, so again, you- Silver knows how to treat his players. Exactly, and that is the difference of the organizations right now, where the NBA, if they come back and let's say they have a phenomenal playoff series run, they're going to be looked upon as the organization that set the bar for them. <clears throat> uh, the PLL starts first. Oh, well. Okay. You're let's, be, I know you'll be Let's talking. not forget that. Oh, of course. Okay? Of course. Thank you. But with the NBA setting the example that they're going to of the big major sports oh, organizations. Oh, okay. Throw that one at me. Yes, I have to hit mm-hmm. you back with a curve. Uh, that being said, like I say, this is where the NBA is going to be looked at and seeing how they're handling the situation. And if it becomes a situation where they're going to have to cancel the season – I'm sure they're going to jump in and do it right away because Adam Silver is in daily contact with his players and getting the, you know their opinions about what's going on. I you know what I'll, I mean one more point too is I mean there is a, a CBA contract talk coming up I think in the next coming 2 years maybe. It will be very interesting to see how negotiations are led with this with how good uh Silver has built his relationship with the players union. Mm-hmm. Because negotiations should go smooth because every player, you know, obviously has been on board with everything that he suggested from Jump Street. Yeah. So to me, there shouldn't be any problem with the CBA negotiations because everybody should be on the same page. It should run very smoothly. And I think that this seasons is going to be looked upon during those negotiations. I think it has to be. Of how Silver accommodated the players and what they wanted. And, Obviously, we don't know what the future is going to hold. So if he has to shut the season down, it's not going to get held against him. But I think the fact that they're going to try making the best of a bad situation, and they completely are in this case, he has to be applauded for. And it's going to be real fun basketball to watch come July 31st. Agreed. So that Minus be- the Knicks. Oh, of course. But we, you know, we have to wait. We have to wait. We'll be patient for December. You did your waiting. 20 years of it. <laughs> uh, on that note, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the NBA coming to or to Florida July 31st? Are you on board with it? Are you against it? And why? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood out from the bunch, and it was the amazing world of talking shiz. <laughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. 
and focus is, is definitely not being not focused there. on at all. No. Uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all. It's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time. Yeah. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Hey. So go ahead, tune in. New episodes weekly. And we're international. International. Very, yes. very well. So tune in. Follow yeah. us on Twitter. See you there. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. I just want to comprehend that I have to make amends. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let us talk some wrestling wrestling yes because there's been a lot going on that has not been so good <laughs> there's been a lot going on not going on yes i uh, if you heard the 3fnw show this week uh with rich and from three fat nerds and myself we broke down wwe backlash but since we have coach duffy finally back in studio i gotta break down the card with him and pad and let us talk about this past week's wwe backlash from the performance center uh Backlash typically is the rebound card after WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and it's usually yeah. the uh, return matches a lot of t- a lot of the times. Not really the big hype pay per view by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's more of just like uh, you know we're on a high here for WrestleMania, and now we're just kind of steadying the course for what's going to come into SummerSlam season and everything. Yeah, and obviously they decided to, to flip flop Money in the Bank and Backlash. So this card really on paper wasn't jumping, and obviously with everything going on, uh, the WWE kind of in a little bit of flux. They Mm -hmm. did let go of Paul Heyman as... Flux is an understatement. I mean, chaos right now. I mean, Yeah, because Paul Heyman is no longer the head of creative on Monday Night Raw. He is still with the company as an on-air talent. Yep. So Bruce Pritchard is going to be taking over. He is the head of creative at SmackDown. So it's going to be one well, thing, one team. The one yeah. thing I read said the executives at USA Network were not particularly happy about Heyman getting uh, fired. Uh, we could talk about that first if we want to. Cause sure. I, I, I'll jump in on that. I agree. I think it was a bad move for them yeah. to let Heyman go. Uh, from that role, yeah, no, I th- I think obviously right now ratings aren't good. They're at the worst they've been in god decades. But I don't think you can put that on Paul Heyman or anything Paul Heyman is doing. You know that oh, be, you know you're pushing these people and they're not getting over with the crowd and the ratings are slipping. I don't think you can put it on Paul. I think Paul was dealt the hand he was given and he was working well with it. Mm-hmm. But you know it's hard to run this business and work this business and, and get guys over and this and that when there's no crowd reaction, when there's no cheer, there's no boo, there's no ooh, ah, and, and the, the usual stuff you hear. You know, that's one of my biggest issues. One of the biggest reasons I haven't been watching wrestling since this whole thing you know started is it's the lack of a crowd. It's, you know, I love those moments where Dudley boys came back and the crowd reaction in Brooklyn, Ronda debuted at the, at the Royal Rumble. Sure. The crowd reaction is what's best about wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, no offense to the the folks at the performance center and the talent they have down there. They're doing a very good job with what they have. It's just not the same. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, Paul was brought in because they, you know, asked when they were doing this, that Paul 
build new talent. You know, mm-hmm. that he was his, uh, you know, I guess what he could hang his hat on was he built SmackDown, you know, during the previous brand split and built them on the SmackDown 4, as they call them, where, you know, he built stars like Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, um, you know, even Brock for a little bit, even though, I mean, Brock was going to be a star regardless, um, you know, and Kurt Angle, and he took that four and he really built a show that arguably was better than Raw for a while during that run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what they, that's what his pitch was to cre- to Vince and as far as what he was going to do with Raw. And you could start to see, you know, the, the seeds that were being planted with guys like Austin Theory, um, you know, uh, Andrade, uh, Alistair Black, Alistair Black, Apollo Crews. You know, he was trying to start to build that up, and then COVID happened, and then stay at home happened, and then you know Florida happened, and then no crowd happened, and then it was difficult to still continue to build around that four when you don't, you know, like Pat said, have a live crowd. So it wasn't any fault of his own. His was a long-term plan. Mm. The problem with WWE and what has always been the problem with WWE is that they don't think long-term anymore like they used to. It is literally day-to-day, show-to-show, hour-to-hour, second-by-second to booking. And that is the problem. You have... I mean, listen, I know Vince has been very successful, and there is no arguing that because it's a fucking fact. Mm. You can't argue that. But at the end of the day, sometimes he just gets in his own way. And us as fans, we suffer. Because now with Paul gone and, um, you know, uh, what's his Bruce Pritchard coming in, you know, you don't know what Bruce is going to see especially the fact that he doesn't know whether Theory and all them are getting over what he sees in them. So now the the story becomes the same old, same old of you're going to see Charlotte, you're going to see, and I mean, I like Seth, but you're going to see a lot of Seth. You're going to see a lot of the old staples getting pushed over. Randy Orton, big show back in the fold. You're going to see all those guys come back into the fold, and it's going to be the same turn of the wheel over and over so again. Back to your point with Vince. You know, we always like to think, oh, Vince is thinking ahead. Vince is planning ahead. They're they're already penciling in WrestleMania for next year. And while, yeah, that might be true to an extent, how many times, especially before the pandemic and everything got shut down, were the stories coming out either the night of or the day after that the entire script was getting rewritten oh, for yeah. Raw? Oh, the day, You know, the hours before, minutes before. You yeah. know, how many times did that happen? And that's the problem that you have. I mean, but Heyman is also guilty of that as well. There's a lot of times that he would just throw something on the fly. Sure. And yeah. I mean, that's that's booking, though, because, uh, you know, I it mean, is what it is. Yeah. Moose will tell him. I mean, I'm sure he would be the one that would say you you can plan long term all you want. But when somebody has something happen or oh God, suspensions well, or the, the, no shows, the nice egg show with Gangrel where Gangrel was supposed to be at the last Niceg Stadium show and physically couldn't get out of wherever he was. I think it was in Florida because of a storm or something, right? Yeah, Moose told him. I mean, it happens. So, like, Paul, yeah, all right, he might book something, then something changes, and then 30 minutes before the show, hey, we got to rewrite that part of the script. That stuff happens. It's not scripted television, you know? I mean, they are on live, so it is difficult. It's not SmackDown where they can tape it, too, you know? I mean... And I I think the problem, too, that you're going to have now is if you were comparing both shows before, Raw and SmackDown, 
Raw was clearly better because it was more wrestling based, which is a lot of what Paul Heyman does. If mm-hmm. you look at the ECW, or like you touched upon when he was the creative head at SmackDown back in the 2000s. That's what they built their hat on, was right. wrestling. And Raw was starting to do that. On SmackDown, they've done storylines, and I'll be the first one to tell you they're atrocious. I don't watch SmackDown. You, I'll tell you right now. And you know what? You're not missing anything. The only thing that you were missing if you want a good laugh or a good, funny storyline is the Otis storyline. Sure. So but, I, I usually don't get to watch SmackDown because I'm usually hanging out with my girlfriend to watch a movie. So. Yeah. Well, I just flat out refuse to watch it. I yeah. could easily catch it with, you know, my my, my my son said, hey, Dad, let's watch SmackDown today, you know, on, on Hulu. I would put it on for him. But, you so know, so when you, he don't ask, I you, ain't putting it on. Usually I'll do, like, the next morning, Saturday morning, I'll go through the YouTube, cha- YouTube channel. I'll see the videos, and if there's a title, like, I, there was the one last week where Braun was messing around with Miz and Morrison, and he flipped their uh, white van. Yeah, the van. Seen, We've already flipped, seen him flip the van. Flip the van. I was like, oh, it's always funny to see Braun do that. I'll watch that. You know, yeah. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles, I'll watch that match. Yeah, well, AJ, that's it. AJ getting moved over there, too, is, an, is another story that they were saying that him and Heyman butted heads whatever. a little bit. Whatever the case is. I but, think I would butt heads with AJ Styles too from all the other from not just not from his back you know his, the uh, uh, backstage stuff on him I saw I don't think I would get along with him either yeah but I mean I I'll just leave it at that fair enough but with Heyman though there is a definite void that's going to be filled at Raw and I don't think it's going to be filled in the good sense no no I mean I'm worried about that new talent mm-hmm. especially a guy like Aleister Black because at but because Paul got what got him. Mm-hmm. You know, which was wrestling and just being a general badass. And that is, like, when you saw it when he was on SmackDown with Ricochet, you know, there was the uh, the start of s- signs that he could be something, yeah. you know? And the problem is that he's just, they don't know what to do with his character, and that's when that tag team started to fizzle out because they just didn't know what to do with him. Mm-hmm. You know what to do with Ricochet. Yeah. You know, let him get in live action. Let him take some bumps and some flips and get him over. Mm-hmm. It's Alistair, though, that a part of that tag team that they just didn't know what to do with, and then you just saw it fizzle away. What you do with Alistair is you give him the Undertaker method of the less he says, the better it is. And yes. I don't yeah. Mean, and I don't mean that in a negative way. No, no, no. But no when means. you have Undertaker come in and he just stares you down or he pops out of nowhere and does yeah. the whole eyes in the back of his head thing, holy shit. Can you imagine if Alistair Black just started appearing out of nowhere and hitting everybody with a black mass he's got the whole Holy thing crap. with the entrance and the flipping the the sitting uh you know with the coffin his, yeah the legs sitting folded you know he's oh, got yeah. the whole thing he's got that mystery he's got that mystique yeah but just let it go i love it you know just let it play out but instead it's going to be short-term book and they're going to put a mic in his hand and it's just gonna you know he's gonna not necessarily drop the ball but it's just not going to be the same mystique as if he was silent and ominous and scary suffering succotash yeah yeah it's going to be a very unique time period for raw and obviously they're coming off this pay-per-view and you can already kind of see where the direction is going and it's not good so no it's not because poor drew mcintyre yeah yeah <laughs> he's the one who suffers through all of this no wrestlemania moment stuck in a program no. with bobby lashley who was you know doing this whole thing with Rusev and Lana Angle, which that just eventually faded out once COVID hit, mm-hmm. and now you're stuck in a title scene with a guy who was doing flex office or uh, pose offs two months ago. Yeah, I mean that's just that's tough. And, and Lashley has no charisma, so you can't really balance 
anything off Drew, like back and forth or promos yeah. and, and such. You have MVP who's helping, right? But, but it's I, but it's still not getting Lashley over. I mean, right? That, but you, like you touched upon, right? And you got to. And the other thing we got to say is, you know, to anybody who's like, oh, Lashley can do this. Listen, ever since he came back, he's always been paired with a manager who's done the talking for him. Yeah, because he Leo, has no charisma. Leo Rush, Lana. Now MVP. And, I mean, it's not even – it's just the fact that, you know, he could have been when they brought him back originally what everybody thought was going to be the setup for him versus Brock. That's what everybody thought at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And then they just did the same thing they always do with Lashley. They build him up to put him in the mid card and then build him down, and then they build him back up just to stick him back in the mid card, and then they bury him again. And that's all they've ever done with Lashley. I, that no. I will not. You will not say that's not true, Ken, because I know it's true. No, I did say it's true. <laughs> I wasn't going to deny it. Yeah, but it's, so it's just you know it's 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 frustrating because now Drew, who you know didn't get the WrestleMania moment, no. didn't get his shine, now has to be stuck in this program where it's going to the ratings are going to kill, and they're going to say we got to bring Brock back. Did we need Brock? Well, and Brock's already said as long as they're at the performance center and no crowd, he's not coming back. The other thing Drew lacked is, you know, the you deserve it. You deserve a chance. You know, that he would have gotten. If, yes. If, if if WrestleMania was in Tampa Bay and then the next night, wherever the hell it would have been the next night, mm-hmm. wherever the Tampa Bay Lightning play probably. You know, there would have been, however big that capacity arena is, 16,000, 17,000, 18,000 people you know, chanting, you deserve it. Because for, you know, going through his first introduction with WWE and the chosen one and then getting let go and coming back as an absolute monster, and you can't tell me otherwise, to finally get the championship, he he deserved that moment of having an entire arena full of people as he's standing on a turnbuckle holding the belt up after a night of Raw chanting, you deserve it. Yeah. But this is where the direction is with the company right now. I mean, you could take a look at Backlash where, I mean, they do have a crowd, but... I mean, it's per se. I know that they started having uh, a small group of fans at the event. Yeah, family and uh, friends. Yeah. That was a whoopsies. Yeah, so they're kind of seeing where they can go with this. So why don't we just jump into the recap now? Sure. Uh, So one of the first matches they had uh, was for the United States Championship between Apollo Crews and Andrade uh, with Kevin Owens on commentary. And you had Apollo Crews defeat Andrade uh, and retain the U.S. Championship. Thoughts on this, Coach? I mean, I've I've liked the fact that they've given Apollo Cruz this because he's such a talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean the from the physique to the ability, you know, being a six five, you know, two fifty plus, you know, his in ring abilities there. Uh him and Andrade do work well together. I don't really like the fact that they're the the dissension is starting in Zelina's camp because I am a old school you know wrestling fan so I love the stables mm-hmm. so I really like the idea that Zelina had her you know cast of characters around her that were you know doing their thing could be in the tag team mix but you could also pull them out for singles um, so I I don't like the fact that there's dissension there but I did like the match. No, I thought it was a good match. Too. Good to see Apollo Crews retain the title just because with the way they booked him the last few years, I was afraid that he was going to drop it right back to Andrade. Um, that being said, you know, I'm not, in regards to Zelina's stable, I'm not exactly sad if they end up breaking up. I'm not exactly sad to see it go because I, like you, like stables. I love the Shield. I love, you know, every incarnation of AJ Styles with Gallows and Anderson, you know, even with Finn and Gallows and Anderson. I love them, but with all of those uh factions that i mentioned and even you go back to dx and nwo and and pick your faction they would always show up and there was always some you'd get up in your seat a little bit you go oh shit 
the, the shields here. You'd hear, you'd hear right. Sierra Hotel. You know, you hear the shield. You go, oh, shit. They're here. They show up, and I'm like, okay, sure. Well, it was just something that they were trying out because, obviously, Selena Vega has been doing a phenomenal job as a manager. Facts. Mm-hmm. And to get over new talent such as Angel Garza and Austin Theory, when Theory was part of that group, that mm-hmm. was a huge help to, to those wrestlers. But as they've been teasing the breakup now with the faction, I'm not sure where they're going to go with it exactly because they did play off the, the – I think they're trying to set up an Andrade versus Garza feud. I don't get it. But that's the problem, though, is that if you split, what do you do with Garza? Yeah. Because, I mean, he was really in the fold because he was in that stable. You, right. So you pull him out, what do you do with him? Exactly. And for Apollo Crews, I love the fact they're finally giving him a, a chance to shine yeah. and yeah. really run with the ta- yeah. with the championship. I think he's been, you know, long forgotten about, which I, he's got all the physical talents in the world. I, yeah. I mean, we watched a little bit of Raw, you know, and Aaron was like, "Is that a, who? Is that Apollo Crews? Did yeah. he like what? What?" And I go, "Well, it's been about 2 years since he's been on TV." Yeah, yeah. so I I'm not sure how much Heyman had uh, you know, the being the one to push Apollo to get this, yeah, which I'm hoping, which is unfortunate. I'm hoping that they still continue to push him. I know that they set up. He was doing a heel tactics to win last night against Ooh, Sheldon Benjamin, okay. like he was oh. holding the ropes to retain the title, but Sheldon did it on him first. So I don't know if they're going to try teasing a, a heel turn. But either way, the fact that Cruz won had a great match. This was my second favorite match of the night. Uh, I was you know really happy with this. And for the pre-show, I thought this should have been on the main show because the rest of the card. Eh. Agreed. Let's mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's get into it, Pad. Uh, after that, you had a match for the women's tag team championships uh, between Bailey and Sasha Banks, uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and then Billy Kay and Peyton Royce in a triple threat. And you had Bailey and Sasha retain. Uh, I mean, I. Pull the plug on. Uh, just, just pull the trigger on Bailey and Sasha already. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. how much longer are you going to try and slow play it? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's you can see it in Sasha's eyes. You you can see that she wants to. You know, oh, ba- don't throw the your belt on my chest. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. um, and Billy Kay and um, Peyton Royce. Peyton Royce, I think, make a great tag team. Absolutely. I, oh, they're I, awesome. They really should just have the belts and let them go. They're great on the mic. They're good in the ring. Um, and then Alexa Bliss, you know, I, I just, it's tough because I mean the the tag team division for the women's right now are literally just three teams, mm-hmm. so it makes it tough um, to even have the division right now. But I just, yeah, it just didn't do anything for me. You know, I'm I'm with you, Coach. You know, at this point, it's kind of the worst kept secret on on the planet. You know, split up Bailey and Sasha, have them get into their feud and do this whole thing. You know, I would prefer the belts to get dropped to Billy Kay and Peyton Royce just because they've got enough charisma and just overall humor to fill an ocean. <laughs> especially, especially you look at some of their you know backstage interviews after they have a match or they have a segment where you know somebody's interviewing them and and they might mess up a name and they might, and they correct them on it, but in a very hilarious way. Give it to them. But the other thing, to, you know, yeah, the women's division is a little lacking. There's not much going on. The The belts were promoted as they'll be defended on any brand. Mm-hmm. Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Yeah, they've been going back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. When have they been defended on NXT? They actually are this Wednesday. Right, but other than this, oh, other, other than, than this Wednesday, Wednesday no. how many right. times? Yeah, you never. Know, that, that was one of the no, ways. I, mean, I think one time. Maybe. Other, I think the iconic showed up one time. Sure. Uh, fuck, I can't. No, remember. you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, they did, they did one time. Right. Yeah. So in the entire history of this women's tag team championship, which is what a year, year and a half old, however old it is, 
Give you take. Know, it's been on it's been on NXT once, and there are some great female wrestlers that we've said it before. Oh, absolutely. There's who are great, paired. Yeah, who are paired. Yeah. yeah. Why not defend it on there every like every other week or something like that? Not all the time. Just have it. Christ, have it go down there more often than it's been there. Well, I think that after next week we might start seeing that because for this match though. They've already teased the breakup enough. In fact, I think it was more blatant when Sasha was in or coming down to the ring, and they still had a split camera on Bailey cutting a promo, defending the friendship. Right. Which was like, all right, really? So once they got into the match, which I will say it was kind of weird, they had one member of each team in the ring, like triple threat rules, mm-hmm. during this entire match, which I, I was really puzzled at. But yeah. but yet again is what they it is what it is <laughs> a couple a couple you know timing spots I think really hurt because I had so many people in the ring but at the end of the day they still teased the Bailey Sasha breakup they did retain they're going to SmackDown this week or I mean I'm sorry to NXT this week to face Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox okay right. and then I don't know what they're doing Friday night obviously but they'll be on their own show and then Monday they've already booked in like the weirdest way set up. The Iconics called him out, mm-hmm. and then later Bailey just showed up with Sasha to cut a promo for her birthday, and then the Iconics did their full entrance and came out again to confront them and got them to do a title shot. Hmm. Sure. Yeah, that's what hmm. I said, how bad Raw was to balance off this. So hopefully the Iconics take the belts, and then they start traveling through the division. And just yeah. move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all they need to do. Next. After that was a matchup between Sheamus and Jeff Hardy, with Sheamus oh, defeating Jeff Hardy via so pinfall. Bad. The only thing good about this match is it was an actually decent match. The only good not, thing about this match was that it ended. Yeah, but not, and hopefully the few did because Bad said it. because this was just this has been the worst segment storyline on, on all WWE brands. It is absolute garbage. The fact they did the piss test last the, week. The also, problem th- th- this match, uh, I didn't get to see the whole pay per view just because uh, later segment I'll talk about something I changed over to. But I did see this match. This match was the one that like I was a little parched at the moment, so I decided to get up, go downstairs, and get a glass of water. I mean, I'll say about this match that, and I saw it on Twitter. I would love to have taken credit for it, but I won't. Is Sheamus isn't CM Punk? No. no. So this whole playing on Jeff Hardy's, you know. Uh, Weaknesses or issues, as you can say, doesn't work as well when the guy that's playing on them is a notorious beer drinker, I guess. I mean, for it to work, you know, you want a straight edge who, you know, denounces alcohol and drugs and can be an act better than you because of the fact that you have this weakness, Mm -hmm. which is what they did during Punk's and Hardy's feud over 10 years ago, which was Awesome. That SummerSlam match is amazing in that ladder match. Or uh, it wasn't a ladder. It was a ladder match. Yeah. It was awesome. And the feud and the bitterness and the just the animosity that you could feel and the crowd got the, the funny thing is is that the crowd got so behind Jeff at that time even though you know the the storyline was that he has it, these issues, the crowd loved and ate up Jeff because Punk was such a good heel, heel at this. Mhm. Sheamus just, you know, doing this and the fake car acts. It's just, yeah, this is, this has just been so bad. Even during the live stream on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast, I interviewed Jimmy Gastic because I didn't even care about this. <laughs> and, Good. That was probably a much better interview than the match. Oh, it is. The stream is still up. So if you want to go check it out after the show, <laughs> go right ahead. And I'm just glad they're done with this. Uh, I'm hoping the feud is done. Let's move on. Uh, after that, you had uh, Asuka take on Nia Jax for the Raw Women's title. Uh, ended in a draw because of a double countout, so get ready for more Asuka and Nia Jax. Except on Monday night, they had the rubber match, and Asuka beat her clean. 
Oh, weird. So, so why did we have a count out on Backlash only to have Asuka go over wrestling? Yeah, we'll that's why. A count out that, according to ProFightDB.com, lasted 8 minutes and 27 seconds. Yeah, it, this was not a good match. I, and I don't want it to be on the pile-on Nia thing, but... Only, the only reason sorry I, the only yeah. the only reason I can think that they had this draw was I and I can't take credit for this I saw a post on Monday from the WWE on Fox uh, Facebook page and it was basically a summary of like if you missed it here's what happened every with the exception of uh, it was like every single champion retained mm-hmm. on that pay per view maybe that's why they did a draw so that Oscar didn't beat her clean on that I go with everybody else I mean I I love I I I. I love uh oscar so much yeah. and i think she makes for great champion great entertainment a lot of fun good uh, be- uh, you believe that she could go in and kick pretty much anybody's ass in the division but when you pair her with naya it just does not make for good wrestling mm-hmm. no you know i mean she needs somebody in there that can move that can uh keep up with her pace and that's what i think you'll see moving forward because i'm sure they're probably going to move around to charlotte and um I th- there was somebody else involved, Well, Blazers lurking about. Bla- yeah, and Blazers around there, too. I think that will be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's just... And I know the division, you know, once Becky, you know, announced the pregnancy, I, I know the division got turned upside down. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and they yeah. weren't prepared for yeah. it. And I know Nia and Becky were probably going to be where they went anyway, or if it was going to be Becky and... Uh, Becky and Asuka, then they were going to eventually go to Nia. Um. It, 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 it's a tough place. It's just I don't think Nia is there right now to be in the world title ma- match. and I, you know, I, Especially just having come back. Yeah, especially just coming back. Yeah, and, especially Nia's been coming back, and she hasn't actually been the safest to and work it, with. You know, it, it's, it, it's that, and it's just the fact that, I mean, it's just I, I, when I see you know the women's division, I want to see, you know, if Nia's going to be a monster, I want to see her go in there and just be a monster. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't want to see her go in there and have these 15-minute matches. That's not what the character should be. She should go in and, and like uh, uh, Kong of, you know, 10 years ago, just obliterate people. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, awesome Kong. Yeah, awesome You know, Kong. Yep. and instead what we're getting is they're trying to give her these 12 to 15-minute matches, and it's just not landing. No. Yeah, she, she almost needs, you know, the Braun Strowman type effect where just go in, destroy them, and yeah. leave. Just wreck them. Wreck them safely, yeah. but yeah. wreck them. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. hey, the buckle bomb is now banned. So. Thank, well, I mean, that's unfortunate, too, because Seth landed that thing beautifully. Yeah. It's just going to be something they're going to have to look at moving forward with Nia. Like, just, well, I just, just I mean, they did because yeah. Oscar's obviously moving on, and Blazers right around the corner, which my, that would be awesome. My yes. guess is it's going to be Charlotte, just which for sure. I saw a clip from Raw Talk last night where uh, Charlotte was on Raw Talk, and she basically cut a, a pipe bomb. It seemed like yeah, she cut a pipe bomb on everybody, and and basically you know brought up the Nia Jax. Like Nia Jax, you know, she uh, Charlotte basically said. I'm here 365 days a year. I don't get hurt. I don't miss time. You know, but people can like to crap on me that, you know, Nia Jax just came back and she's already got a title shot. She's uh, she said, I've beaten Charlotte or excuse me. I've beaten Oscar twice and yet I'm not getting a title shot. Well, I will tell you, Charlotte, your cry face is very ugly. <laughs> it's just not it's just not a nice face to see. So maybe you have that working against you. 
Who knows? We're going to have to wait and see what happens yeah. now. But I, I'm all for Oscar versus Baszler. So yeah. hopefully let's put that karma in the world. Yeah. Speaking of Braun. Uh, yeah, you had Braun Strowman take on Miz and Morrison in a handicap tag match for the WWE Universal Championship. Uh, the stipulation with this being whoever pinned Braun Strowman, if they were able to, they would become the champion. Uh, they were not successful, however, and Braun retained his uh, championship. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, this this was just a filler match of filler matches. The only thing that was really puzzling to me about this match was Miz and Morrison cut their own uh, Lonely Island-esque video. I'm not going to lie. I saw, When they started playing the music video, I, I was watching on my Roku. I turned it off. Well, it, I couldn't stand that. It, it's, it's funny. It's what they do, but they already aired it during the pre-show. They've aired it before. They aired it during this again. It was. Like, I mean, the pro- they just don't know what to do with Braun as champion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's why, you know, as much as we, I mean, I at least I can say I wanted him to have a title run before. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the reason why they couldn't because they just don't no, know what to do with him. I, th- I think it's another issue like you have with, like we mentioned with Drew McIntyre. Braun works really friggin' well off a crowd. Yeah. You know, power slam and running around like a freight train and just showing up and the crowd going nuts. Because Damn, it's just, hard. It's hard to gauge what works with Braun when his, the primary feedback is the fans, and they're not there. Well, may I mean not only that, but maybe just Braun as a champion needs to be Braun as a heel champion, not Braun as a face champion. Yeah. Because I mean, Miz and Morrison, that's just not the answer. No, you know. No. And then what other heel do you have out there besides Bray? And it's like, all mm-hmm. right, but he beat Bray clean. Yeah, you know, last time, even though it was not in the, you know, the character. Yeah, the character. So I mean, it's like. What do you what do you do with Braun moving forward? It's I, just so I, tough. I say make him a heel just because he you've already showed him as a monster. You know, flip the truck, he flipped the ambulance, he flipped this, he flipped that. Braun is a heel. Just start to sh- just you go. All right, you go out there. You got a you know a ten minute segment with insert you know SmackDown superstar here Cesaro. You got a ten minute segment with here with Cesaro. Talk for five minutes, say whatever you want to say, but then spend five minutes destroying everything. But that's where you can build the face that will, you know, beat, defeat the, the yeah. giant. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's a, tell, a story as old as time in wrestling. I think they're just waiting for Roman to come back. And, well, yeah. And, and, and the only thing is with Braun, yeah, he, he's not in a good program. Sure, him as a face is not really getting over what I thought they should have done, but they gave AJ the Intercontinental title with, well, instead of AJ versus Braun. Face champion braun yeah face braun is fine yeah face champion braun is where it's like who do you who do you see in that division in that roster right now that would legitimately that you would think has a chance to beat him mojo or ollie no i'm kidding i mean yeah sheamus is a big brolic guy but do you really see him as a world champion threat no, you know, not, not really. Like I said, if AJ had not won the Intercontinental title, I could see them going with him. Right, but then he would have needed, yeah, he Gallows would and Anderson. Out. Yeah, but that's yeah, exactly that's, the point, but, and that's the problem. Yeah, so I don't know what they're going to wind up doing with Braun unless they're just going to wait for Bray to come back at Extreme Rules because Extreme Rules is the next pay per view. Yeah, they. I mean, they did just aver- they were advertising Braun or Bray for SmackDown Friday, so yeah, chances so are hopefully we get that back and then maybe so get a Matt, R- Matt Riddle versus Braun match. Bro, bro, that would not be fun. It would not be fun. It'd be something. It, it would be, yeah, it would be something. It would definitely be Braun losing his patience. Yes. Probably, yeah, probably, yeah. That could be bad. <laughs> not, not as bad as our next match. Though. No. Uh, after that was for the WWE Championship uh, between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, with Drew McIntyre retaining his champion. 
I mean, I think we talked about. Yeah, we've already before. said enough yeah. about it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so skipping over. <laughs> just whoop. after that uh, was a tag team matchup between the Viking Raiders and then Street Profits, which uh, I did not see. Thank God. Uh, but if I'm reading this correctly, ended in a draw. This okay, okay. Can you even call this a match? No. They, yeah, I saw that it was a cinematic. They tried to advertise it, uh, or the people that when I read the results were like, it was a cinematic match. Mm-hmm. Which. They yeah they tried doing okay. they tried doing this where they started fighting in the, in the back and there was a very cool spot where Angelo Dawkins uh, put I believe it was Hanson or um I, I can't remember his uh is it Eric I, Ivar yeah I think it was Ivar he put him through a, a glass door oh so, ouch so that so that was like a cool spot That'll leave but then they start doing these dream sequences with with Ivar where he's like remembering where he pulled like a, a turkey leg out of like a miniature golf hole, sure. like recapping everything. And then we get weird for no reason as they're fighting, and then you see a motorcycle ninja gang pull up. I'm not starting when I say this. You see a motorcycle ninja gang show up, and who is the head of this? Akira Tozawa. So this is sounding like a you know, oh, 70s oh, oh, uh, oh. kung fu movie. It's just like out of like, what the hell is going on? And then he comes in and he has a guy that is over seven foot. I don't know who this person is. He's he's signed. Uh, I'd have to dig it up, but he's somebody they have signed on the roster. Yeah, and basically they decide to team up and become the Viking Prophets, and just it goes off the the script from there. It is absolutely just what am I watching? I, I I have no words. Like I can't figure this out. And this is how it ends where if this was supposed to be cinematic, it failed. If this was supposed to be a title match, this failed. I know they even kept it going the next night on Raw, which now you have the big show being involved who comes up with the great idea. You guys should have a wrestling match. Hello. So <laughs> yeah, I... It's just bad. I mean, I so this is what started the downfall of me, like pretty much only reading the results and not actually fully watching and digesting wrestling right now is because I tune in for five minutes on Raw one night and I see them, the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits, in the uh, by the triathlon that they were doing, mm-hmm. and I immediately I couldn't take it anymore, and I had to turn it off. Yeah, it's brutal. It's just it's difficult to watch. And like I said, motorcycle ninja gang. Do you want to have them wrestle in a regular match? Sign me up. But until then, no thank you. I'm with you on that. Going to the main event. Yeah, it was the greatest wrestling match ever as it was being built uh, between Randy Orton and Edge, lasting, if I'm reading this correctly, almost 45 minutes. Yep. Good Lord. Uh, Randy Orton defeated Edge by a pinfall. So I will say this. They had some very cool ideas for the beginning of this. Like They had the Mr. Kennedy-like microphone come down. And it was Howard Finkel doing the announcements for both. Yep, the, and the MSG. Finkel. Yep, looking th- microphone. Yep. yep, and they were pumping crowd noise in, uh-huh. which I thought was kind of odd. And they had Charles Robinson, the referee, dressed up in the old school blue shirt, and which I mean, well, I was I, like, I was like, okay, this really, this is going to be a nice little touch. And then they went and did the match, and the match was good. It was, right. it was, it was a, it was a great match. I'll even say, was it the greatest wrestling match ever? Quote unquote, no. Nope. It went on about 20 minutes too long, and we, we talked about this on 3FNW too, that they just were going back and forth, back and forth, hitting every kind of finisher they could come up with. Yeah, I saw a pedigree used. Mm-hmm. 
a rock bottom rock bottom yeah yeah so no, some uh tidbits to the old old time yeah so i mean they're definitely doing an homage to you know the history of the wwe but at the same time it was like there is just so much that is added to this that doesn't need to be and I understand that they were really trying to hype this up. Like I, I think they backed themselves in a corner mm-hmm. where when you start saying this is going to be the greatest wrestling match ever, they went overboard and they yeah. drug it out and yeah. it just eventually lost interest for me. So when I heard the greatest wrestling match of all time and then I saw some of the things, I kind of have a different definition of what they were trying to mean by that is just that this was the – just uh, the – uh, tied to all like all the 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 history of the WWE. So like uh-huh. maybe putting it as the greatest not the right term, mm-hmm. but like when you think about the fact that there was a rock bottom and there was a pedigree and there was all these, you know, little tidbits of other old school classic matches, it was almost like a an honoring of the WWE, sure. you yeah. know, sure. like maybe that's what they probably could have put it as uh tribute to the WWE sure. match. Um I just I don't know. I I've really liked this Randy Orton character because it is an inspired Randy Orton, and there is arguably nothing better than an inspired Randy Orton. Yeah, when he's motivated, I mean, he's 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 the best. When he's on, he's on. When mm-hmm. he and you can see it when he is when and he's when having he's, a blast. Yeah, when he goes through the motions, it it is definitely phoning in, and I. Sure that he would probably agree with probably some of that sentiment. I, say, but I, I saw the clip from Raw last night because I didn't watch, but I saw the clip. Uh, I think it might have been fairly early in the show, but the camera got a real close-up shot of Randy and just that grin on his face that looked like a villain out of a horror movie. Oh yeah, he, I'm like that man is having a blast, oh, which, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, you know, because I mean that was something. I mean Randy's character had been you know Slow teetering, stale. yeah, and stale for what like at least a year and a half, two years uh, now. I'd say two or three. So I mean now you're getting to see and inspired him. It's awesome to see edge back obviously that goes without saying the wwe 24 was amazing that story was fuck uh, tears you know brought to my eyes um so it's fun to see the two of them in there i'm i'm almost excited to now you know and i guess i shouldn't have worded it that way i'm you know i'm disappointed that edge got hurt Um, you know that goes without saying torn bicep torn bicep you know, now that he uh, punted Christian, I'm excited now to see, however, what they do with Randy Orton moving forward. Because now with Christian done, with Edge out, you know, now what do you do with this character right the now? The legend killer is back. Yeah, what do you do with him, you know, moving forward? Do you put him in something where, you know, maybe he's next for Drew? I think that's the direction they need to go yeah, in. I think that is too. I mean, maybe do you put him in the, you know, uh Apollo, I, you know, it's like there's so many options right now because of the fact that his program obviously in the short term is over because right. neither one of them can be there. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what they move on with Randy Orton. Uh, found the article uh, referencing who the giant uh, ninja uh, person was. Uh, it is Jordan, and I'm going to butcher this last name, so I apologize, Omogabihan. Uh, he was he's listed as seven foot three and was signed to WWE back in 2018. Uh, he is originally from uh, Lagos, Nigeria, but played high school basketball in the States after moving to Virginia. Perfect. Yeah, yeah for what WWE is trying to do. I don't know what that angle is going to be going forward with Tazawa, but it just kind of summed up this pay-per-view and Monday Night Raw like it was just overboard entertainment that was yeah. more missed than hit. Well, back to the positive. Randy Orton, go ahead, go. Oh, yeah, but Randy Orton, though, <laughs> all right, to spin it in a positive note, when he's motivated, he is the best uh, mm-hmm. performer in the WWE. There's no question of that, but he has to be motivated. 
Now where he goes is going to be anybody's guess. I do like him versus Drew. Yeah. I love that idea for a few. I'll say, I, yeah. need, I need a new favorite Randy memory because my favorite Randy moment from the last, God knows how many years, was the one night, I forget, it was probably 2015, 2016, whenever it was, where he had a match coming up in the pay-per-view that Sunday with Seth and the uh, RKO was banned. So he spent the entire three hours of Raw RKOing as many people as he could, and that to me was just hilarious and amazing. Still my favorite Randy Orton moment from the last couple of years. I need a new one. Come on. Yeah, when he when he is having fun, it's definitely shown. And for him to go from Edge and Christian, because now that storyline is going to be done, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be the puzzle that the WWE is going to have to piece together. But they have a lot more questions to answer with Raw moving forward, too. Because now with the direction that these two shows have just had, Backlash and the Monday Night Raw after, there's a lot of uncertainty. And it wasn't a lot of good. Like this match, I would say, and we did say this on 3FNW, out of AEW Double or Nothing, NXT In Your House, and Backlash, AEW had the best pay-per-view in the past couple weeks. I mean... I think AEW is kind of working with house money right now because of the fact that they were, you know, willing to put a crowd in first. You know, they were um, willing to obviously go the big over-the-top route by bringing in Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. So I think that they've kind of had a leg up in handling the, the COVID stuff um, and how they would, you know, be able to broadcast their show. Um, I mean, obviously – the FTR showed up, so I mean that was big on them. You know, while WWE seems to just kind of be playing cards a little closer to their chest and probably waiting for more of a SummerSlam build mm-hmm. to start to open up their deck a little bit. That's just what I'm seeing right now. I mean, obviously, you know, NXT is going to go all out because yeah. that's what NXT always does. Yeah, and the you know the main roster always just seems, especially during this time, play things a little closer to the chest and then eventually open up. And AEW is playing with house money, so it's a it's it's a tough time to be the main roster of the WWE right now. It definitely is. So moving forward, we're just gonna have to sit back and see what happens. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about WWE backlash? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And where do you think Raw heads now without Paul Heyman? Let's discuss. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast Pad. No local minute, but why don't you kick us off rounding those bases? Gotta talk some happy baseball news because, hey, there was some good baseball news in the last week. Uh, if anyone is aware, there was a 30 for 30 that aired this past Sunday, which is the reason I didn't get to see a great portion of Backlash uh, that aired on ESPN titled Long Gone Summer, which for those of you who haven't heard of it, it was two hours about the 1998 baseball season, a.k.a the home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And just for me, I I was really amped to see this because that chase was really got me into baseball. I was eight years old when that took place. And I just remember every, once it really started getting going, you know, early stages, I really didn't know anything about it, but once it really started getting going in the summer and and, into August and whatnot, because I remember our local paper here had their pictures and their totals on the front page at the very top of the paper, Mm -hmm. McGuire, you know, how many he had, Sosa, how many he had. And that's what really got me into baseball. So I was really amped to see this. And I got to say, it was a great watch. Uh, if you have ESPN Plus, it is available there. Uh, I know they were re-showing it on TV the other night. So check your local listings. Uh, they might be showing it again here at some point on television. But if you're a baseball fan, 
highly, highly, highly recommend you check it out. Coach, you caught it. So I watched it. I got two things. One, uh-huh. Last Dance ruined all documentaries. Yeah. I got to start off with that because yeah. I watched this and I was into the first hour. I mean, I texted you guys and yeah. said, I'm 30 minutes in. This is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the honeymoon phase ended. And I got to say, I was a little disappointed that they didn't dive a little bit deeper into you know, McGuire and Sosa and everything because a lot of the story is just about the chase. Um, and I wish that they would have dove a little bit deeper into the stuff underneath. Yeah. Well, and, and that was kind of one thing I was wondering about too, but just this is without knowing anything. This isn't without reading anything. I think that this is them covering it the way they did was the only way they were able to oh, get right. McGuire no. and Sosa. Absolutely. There was no way they would have gotten those two to do the interviews had they had said, listen, we're going to do this movie about you, but let's talk steroids. They yeah. would have never have agreed yeah. to it. Mm. Just like Jordan, having your own creative control is the best thing for you moving forward. Because that being said, McGuire was very open about it. He was. He, you know, one of the things I did find surprising was they got to that point in the story during the season where there was the post-game interview outside his locker and the one reporter saw the Andro sitting there and it got out and everyone started figuring out what Andro was. The thing I didn't know and I found very interesting is McGuire stuck to his guns that he didn't quite know what it was. He was just told it'll help you with recovery from your injuries. Right. And he reached out to the company that made Andro saying, hey, can you back me up here? Can you like you know help me out with this? I'm looking like crap right now. They left him high and dry. Yeah. They I'll, didn't say a word. I'll honestly say, growing up in that time, I you know I I don't I don't remember who I was cheering for, but I remember being older and just always thinking back to McGuire kind of being mm-hmm. standoffish and a little bit of a of a jerk. I guess I mean yeah. I don't know. I don't. He came I was, off that way. Yeah, I was 13. Actually, I watched this and I'm like, he's a human. Like mm-hmm. he he's was, learned. he's learned. Yeah. He was very humanized in this and very like, Hey, listen, I was just a guy who loved baseball and I was thrown in the middle of this and I didn't realize what I was in the middle of. He's, he's learned a lot because you, you remember in that, in that documentary when, uh, the record, I think the record breaking ball, I can't remember which one it was, got hit and the, and the grounds crew worker caught it. Yeah. And, and of course, anytime a milestone home, home run is hit, you know, the team finds the fan and they bring, all right, what do you want? And, you know, the fan wanted a bat and a jersey autograph from McGuire. Okay, no problem. I want to meet Mark. Mark said no. So he's gone from that to now towards the end of this documentary where he goes, you know, I want kids to learn from one. And this is one of the things I loved about him. And he came out looking like a golden oh, man, goose he in this made, documentary. Made a lot of money off this he, documentary. For, for as much as he did wrong, and, and he admitted it. Yeah, he, he owned up to he it. He owned up to it. He he said, "I want kids to learn from my mistakes and not make the same mistakes I did." Yep. I regret doing what I did, which and, is awesome, and that shows because at the same token, they asked Sammy Sosa about it, and Sammy played, he still denies it. He yeah. still denies it. He said, "Oh, why, why do we got to talk about this? Let's just talk about '98 and how great I am." And now you remember because they showed it, and they you know, they didn't say it, but they 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 showed it. McGuire's apologized and owned up to it and mm-hmm. everything. And what did what did St. Louis do for him? They brought him back. They welcomed him back. Yeah. They welcomed him back. They He's put back him, in baseball. He put he put him in their, their they put uh, St. Louis put him in their their Hall of Fame. They had this whole big ceremony. Meanwhile, Sammy denies it. Still denies it. Had that famous uh, meeting in the U.S. government where he all of a sudden couldn't mysteriously speak English. Yeah, you know, still denies it. And they put a, they put in text on the on, during the documentary. It's been like 20 years since he's been back to Wrigley. He yeah, hasn't, he was, hasn't been back to the Cubs because he still denies it. It was tough. It was it was not easy on Sammy in this. No, I mean, but it, he does it to himself, right? Exactly. But ex- and that's the way it's portrayed. I mean, it yeah. was. 
I think the only thing, so like I said, I think that I, I the first hour is fantastic. I wish they maybe would have do, uh, dove a little bit deeper. I mean, I know they got into the psychology of what was going on with Mark. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have maybe dove down that rabbit hole a little bit more just to kind of see the things and the processes that he was going through. Um, I mean, it's difficult because they weren't filming behind the scenes like they right. were with Jordan. Right. So it's tough. You know, not everybody has that, well, yeah, you know, I, that memory that Do a lot you, of, that people have. What were you thinking 20 years ago? Yeah. Or 22 yeah. years ago? Like, yeah, a little Yeah, hard. you know, I mean, so not all, everybody has that like Jordan does. Um, but uh, that's why, again, The Last Dance ruined a lot of documentaries. Um, but, no, I, I thought it was a great story. I, I uh, Mark McGuire came off looking like a million bucks. Yeah. I mean, I now have respected the man. I mean, I never was mad at the guy for the steroids because, again, uh, it's a different time. It's a different time, yeah, yeah. and it's the fact that you know he was a good baseball player before. Steroids oh, yeah. doesn't make you. It's not like football where you take steroids, you're an offensive lineman. You're all of a sudden become going to become a better offensive lineman because you're going to be bigger, faster, stronger. All the all steroids does in baseball is helps you hit the ball a little bit further. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help your high, hand eye contact. No. Mm-hmm. So that's already there. You know that's the baseline, right? I mean Barry Bonds was a great baseball player whether he did it or didn't beforehand you mm-hmm. know so you can't forget that yeah um so and and in, in in that sense i do wish that they maybe would have talked about ken griffey jr a little bit more they, yeah, they um, didn't even interview him. yeah they, i mean i don't think he wanted to Probably i think not. i think he uh refused to do it but i know the story is not about him but he was part of that home run chase early on mm-hmm. and you know maybe it would have been uh fun to get a third person outside yeah. perspective of yeah. who was the guy who was projected to do it yeah you know that's what everybody you know everybody thought it was going to be ken griffey yeah really? so maybe yeah. it would have been fun for you know an interview with him if he would have done it and just said you know, I was watching these two do this, and I couldn't believe the things that they were going through because, you know, I had 40 home runs at some point, and then all of a sudden I, you know, I started to struggle. So yeah. maybe that would have been cool. Um, I do uh, – I I did like the, the, the presentation and everything, though. I yeah. thought it was a good documentary. I mean, yeah. go watch it if you're a baseball person. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is it helped me forgive McGuire to an extent because I grew when, I grew, when I grew up – I was rooting for McGuire. I had a Mark McGuire T-shirt that you know seventy home runs and the whole nine yards, and I very vividly remember wearing that shirt to one a uh, birthday party I had at a, at a local uh, roller skating establishment here. Did you light it on fire after you found out he was on steroids? No, but I, okay. I quit wearing it. But, but I hadn't heard I hadn't heard anything about this because I was a kid. Sure, I hadn't heard about the steroids or the accusations or the rumors. Yeah, I didn't know what the androdefin was even now. You yeah. know, I was like, what the hell are they talking and about? I'm at my birthday party and I got a and one of the friends I invited to it comes up and he goes, oh, don't you know he takes steroids? I'm like, what are what are steroids? Oh, he cheated. And that just broke my heart as a kid because here was this guy I looked up to and he did all this amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. And while I never held a grudge against him and I wasn't mad at him, I was disappointed. At sure. Him. And that's what happened to a lot. It was yeah. the uh, the the painting, you know, of the yeah. picture of, of uh, the great, you know, yeah. Mark McGuire and yeah. then, you know, the deflation after that. Yeah, but th- this helped me forgive him to a greater extent. Yeah, because at this time period, we need to remember, too, we were talking about the last baseball stoppage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the home run chase that brought baseball back and to see how it all unfolded is a really telling story. McGuire mm-hmm. is great to see that he showed humility and he owned up to his mistake. Yep. Yeah. Sammy Sosa, not so much. Read the room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a great documentary. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely check it out. Definitely have to check Just it. not last dance good. Exactly. <laughs> no, nothing. I don't, it's it's, it's going to be tough. As, as great as that home run chase was, I don't think you can get 10 parts out of that. No, yeah, I don't think you could. No. 
No, but I, I also want Last Dance too. I don't know how we're gonna make it happen, but I need that. Well, it's gonna be the with Wizard the Lakers. Years. Yes, it's gonna be Kobe's Last Dance Part Two, the Wizard Years. I'm, I'm. Oh no, not the Wizard Years. No, they already <laughs> yeah. they got Laker footage, man. No, yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah, it's yeah. coming. I, I'm. I can't wait for that. Can't wait. Can't wait for that, Coach. All right, I've got two. Uh, so I'm hitting a double in here, if you will. Uh, as we, as I alluded to earlier, the PLL Premier Lacrosse League has announced their round robin tournament uh, going into their playoffs that will b- begin July 25th. They are going to have, I believe, like 10 or 15 games nationally broadcasted on NBC. Uh, they will be on NBC Sports and NBC Gold. So if you do have the package, but I mean, right now, if you're just looking for sports because you're bored, lacrosse is here to fill that void. We are here for you. We and we will welcome you. We are not exclusive we welcome everybody so please come watch the games help support you know a growing league uh, and you know watch some lacrosse during the times that the olympics would be on yeah it'll be something to watch no, i mean something. definitely to give you know if you're not familiar with the sport it's something that is entertaining i mean i i do watch it occasionally I'm yeah not, and I'm, I not mean, a, I'm not as, i'm not as big a fan as coaches but. they're gonna fill you in they're gonna make sure that you know the rules and everything they're gonna do a great job they did a really good job in the presentation last year and the best part is is they're not going to dumb it down to the point where they're yeah. trying to you know treat you like kindergartens they're gonna explain it to you like you're an adult and you'll want you know it's not a hard game to understand you'll get it You'll get it. No, but they're going to make it very easy to access. Yes, and, and, and that's and, the thing. That's what they're going to do, and, and that's and, and, what's going to be awesome. And smart move to do for them. Uh, and it's smart for NBC. Yes. You know, because, I mean, they've got programming to fill. They got a hole. Yeah, a little bit. So uh, there's that for July 25th. And then uh, something near dear to all of us, I believe, is the 26-year anniversary mm. of the 1994 yes. Stanley Cup run for our New York Rangers. So I remember it very vividly at the age of, like, three. I remember it very, very well. I, I cherish, you know, I was up watching the game as I believe like an eight-year-old. Uh, I remember watching the game, uh, game seven. I remember the face-off. I was lucky enough to stumble across the DVD, mm. um, you know, collection set that starts with the Jersey playoff run and ends, you know, game seven against Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I've watched the games over and over and over again. And just what a magical run that was. Mark Messier, man. Oh, my God. My and the hero. Call. And the call. Yeah. I mean, the that you know, I mean, that goes without saying. Just the, the balls yeah. to say we will win game seven after his game. Or game we, six. We, we, game, game six. Yeah. You know, and go out and have a hat trick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just the stones on the guy. I mean, is nuts. You want to talk fun, fun time with that to our two uh, bases. Uh, July 17th, 1994, of course, the day the Rangers had their uh, parade in New York for winning the Stanley Cup. Also is a, the title of an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary. Yes, it is, which is also a very good one, too. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Check that one out. Yeah. Just that whole time period, you know, for being a hockey fan of the Rangers, I mean, it, it was just a magical time. Right? Yeah, it was what a run. Yeah. You know, I mean, going into the year, I mean, they did the 93 season, they were the President Cup Trophy winning team. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody thought that they were going to go in and, and win the Stanley Cup outright to go in and then, you know, sweep the first round. Uh, you know, I run into a little bit of a hiccup with the Capitals and then, you know, go in the game, you know, go into this tough, tough series against you know, the franchise's biggest rival in New Jersey, Jersey and just Scott Stevens and Claude Lemieux haunted me in my dreams. Martin Brodeur, the whole, that team, you know, just the, the pumbling and the punishment that that series was. I mean, you go back and you watch that now. I mean, if you're a fan of hockey of today, mm-hmm. you are not going to like those games back then because I mean, it is a drag out slug fest. 
And then you go in after Vancouver, because Vancouver swept their entire way yeah. into Game 1 of the Stanley Cup, and you see this just tired Ranger team go into Game 1 and have to face Paul Bure, Trevor Linden, and Kirk McLean of Vancouver being fresh. And it's just it's a, it's it's such a story when you really take in the scope of everything and not just look at it, you know, in the, in the the small fraction of the season. You look at the larger scope of what the Rangers had to go through to get to the Stanley Cup, and it makes that win so much better. Yeah, for the rich tradition that the Rangers have with the NHL. Well, I mean, not even to mention yeah, the just... fact that it was from 1942 on of not winning a cup and and being so close and getting Messier in '91 and anointing him, you know, the Messiah and yeah. all these things, you know, getting Richter, trading Van Viesbroek. You know, I mean, I don't. That's that team was stacked in '93. Tony yeah. Amante, Patrick, um, uh, oh God, his name is James Patrick. Uh, they had Mike Gartner. You know, they had names on Ed Olchek. They had names on names on names of guys that you were like that would go on and be successful other places. Yeah, they couldn't win it in '93, and it took them getting you know Craig McTavish not wearing his fucking helmet, and being <laughs> the last player to not do it. Yeah, Jeff Bukaboom, you know, coming through. Jay Wells coming off of a, a terrible season in Edmonton. Kevin Lowe, you know, I mean, a, a lot of people will say that they were, uh, you know, the Edmonton of New York because a lot of the guys had came from Edmonton mm-hmm. to New York. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it took, a you know, Stefan Matteau, who was scratched the game before, to come in and win the game seven. It's just triple overtime. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts, you know? I mean, it, it, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's the beauty of hockey, too, because the Stanley Cup playoffs are like nothing else. Yeah, they are, I mean, they're really not, especially when your team's in Yeah, when your it. team is in it. Like, the closest we've had is when the Rangers got back there against L.A. Oh, man. Ago. I mean, God. That, years, years are off my life because of that. Aubrey, was that was so game one of that series. My daughter was born, and I, like, the whole day, it was like, yeah, you know, I my, my here's my daughter, but game once tonight yeah you know i mean that's all that's all we were worried about obviously they shit the bed but well you know you, but they ran out of gas i mean henry yeah. carried them as far as they could and and just girardi and Stahl just gassed out yeah and, and, that's, and that's that was tough yeah that was a tough one but hopefully this year who knows we're in that's all we need we just need one shot <laughs> just need to be in the dance that's all we need to be in so i'm looking forward to when hockey comes back because we are rangers town here on the odph and i guess i will close with Happy anniversary, guys. Wow, 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 wow. Three years of the ODPH podcast. Can you believe it? I I can't. I can't believe we still have that unrecorded segment from three years ago. I was, oh, was going to say, I mean, I mean, first, Ken, thank you. I mean, I, I, took a, a me- I took a shot messaging to see if you needed a third, a fourth at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I thank you for taking me on my long-winded rants that I have here. You know, I... I appreciate, you know, the fact that you let me come on the show and yeah, I mean, if we're going to do a favorite memory thing, that yeah, that was it. You I know, think, I mean, I think that's it for the three of us. I just uh JR and I just going on a 2-hour f- tangent, not recorded of ranting about Alabama football and their cake schedule <laughs> was arguably one of the funnest things I think I've ever had in my life. I so wish we had that on tape. To Just take something, it back. you know. Well, it was in between in between segments, and we, you know, we were recording, and he was getting stuff up, set up, and and they the two of them just went off, and it was like thirty minutes. For anybody that is not familiar with, we used to have a fourth member on the show by the name of Sound Guy Galore Jr., who does listen to the show and actually did message. He was trying to make it down today. Oh, but that he, would have been fun. But he, but um, there's an outside factor of the sure, show that he sure. can, 
But he did. Hey, I get it. Shit happens. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> it was. He did mention though he is planning on returning. Oh, so yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I already told him. Pat is Pat is protective. Pat is protective. Yes, yeah. You get that fourth seat now, Jr. Yeah, Goddamn right. You be, know. Because yeah, because when we started out this, Jr. was running the production for the ODPH, and Pat has taken the reins and, and ran with it since. And during this time, the coach just came on to, and I mean, I remember you know getting the message about coming on the show because you were originally going to be doing another podcast with somebody else, and it fell through. Yeah. And then you just came in, and just we all clicked. The four of us all just clicked. And during one of the earlier episodes. God, I want to say, was it 2017? Uh, yeah, it's very early. It's, yeah, at it's least. Very, it was, yeah, it, it was, was very early. There is this epic segment where JR and Coach just go off about Alabama football. Because of their schedule. Yeah, because of the schedule. It, it, was, they it, were, was, it was one of those years where they had like a ridiculous schedule where like they were playing like a D3 team or something crazy like yeah. that. Well, everybody, I mean, I remember, because I, I mean, I remember the tangent. We were talking about how Alabama was coming up to play Citadel. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, Notre Dame was playing a ranked opponent at the time, and everybody crushed Notre Dame for having a cupcake schedule. But then you look at the fact that Alabama's playing the Citadel, and the pitch, you know, there are, the reason why they do that is because the SEC was so strong. Well, guess what? The SEC that year was abysmal. Mm-hmm. So you had no excuse for why you were playing Citadel, and before I get going again, I'm going to stop right now because okay. I will get going again because bullshit. Yeah. But that segment is like one of the most legendary moments of the ODPH that will never <laughs> get to the light of day. No, I won't. And no. that's unfortunate because people probably would have gotten a real kick oh out of it. Oh, my God. That, I mean, that, we were that was, that was not a, pulling back. At least 25 minutes, and Pat and I are just sitting there. And, <laughs> and, 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 as we're, and the funniest thing about that one, too, is JR just goes, Oh wait, are you guys ready to go? I'm like, dude, why didn't you just hit record? Right. And yeah. he just pauses and he goes, Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's one of the most legendary moments here on the ODPH. Pat, you got any other moments sticking out? Uh probably just all the things we've been able to do, you know, New York's Comic Con and Robocon and just all of the, you know, it it started off as this thing that I remember you you reached out to me to, you know, hey, can you head over to the apartment? You know, need some help with something. And I was living with my parents at the time. I was like, oh, hey, I'll be right back. And, oh, where are you going? I was like, I got to go to Ken's. F- oh, for what? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I just had no idea what the hell was going on. And just from where it started and just kind of like the, you know, from when we were setting up the social medias and, and people finding out about it before we'd even announced anything. You know, we were setting up the Instagram and, and family members and friends were finding the Instagram. And I'm like, oh, shit, we're getting followers. This isn't good. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously looking back three years, and I mean, I cannot say thank you enough to you guys for being a part of this journey, to be honest with you. This show doesn't run without you two, and we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are without you guys. So I, I, I purposely can't say thank you enough. And, I mean, for everything that we've been doing since the show, I mean, obviously from when we started at the apartment way back when, Mm-hmm. And just when Jr. and I just got the equipment and we're trying to piece it together and and see how we could even do a podcast, to now as Pat touched upon, I mean, did New York Comic Con, did Robercon, just did live stream for the Cure, which was an amazing event, which we raised helped raise over fifteen thousand dollars for cancer research. So I mean, shout out to everybody that's part of that event too. We were the last group to come on there, but still to be invited for that was was truly an epic moment. And just for growing our audience and just doing this thing and seeing just how far we've ran with it is it's just been truly remarkable and like i said i can't say thank you enough to you guys 
I can't say thank you enough to the ODPH Society, which that term came from Frederick Theodore, our logo designer. I know Fred still listens to the show, mm-hmm. um, which like I say he's a big part of the show as well for every guest who came through here. Now, here's a quick trivia question, Pad. You might remember, Coach. I don't think you might. Who was our first guest on the show? Was it Brian Wolf? Nope. Common man, Vince Diatoli. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I would have known that one because I was here for it, though. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember if you were here at that time or not. Yeah. Yeah, from, I mean, Common Man and everybody from Crow's Nest MMA who's come through. And eventually we're having Scarecrow Rodriguez come through. I know that has been like one of the question marks. Are we still doing that episode? At some point, yes. James is going to come through and we will just already give everybody the listener discretion is advised. Because every time <laughs> I mention that, Vince always says you need to have a disclaimer ready. Yes. Yeah. Because James will definitely give you an MMA journey like nobody else. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to see where we've gone and just from everybody who's been a part of the show to all the other amazing podcasts that we've become friends with now. I mean, one movie punch who we played their promo with, I know they're on hiatus, but Joseph and his team have always been super gracious to us, even offered to help us do our first promo. And they were the first show that ran our promo too. Um, I mean, for your reference, so Wizard Podcast, Ghost of the Stratosphere, Pina Comics, Brian Wayne, Cheers the Comics Podcast, who has been a guest host and I think has is actually, I think, leading for guest hosts from other podcasts coming on. Okay. Ooh. A little fun fact. So shout out to Brian. He's been a great friend of the show and everyone at the 143 Podcast Network. And, of course, Tyler from 30 and Nerdy, who they're sending a new promo tomorrow, too. So it might be a shout-out for us as well. So, obviously, shout-out to him. Shout-out to Wonder Soul. Shout-out to Book of Lies Podcast. Shout-out to The Amazing World of Talking Shiz. Geek Freaks, Online Warriors. I can go on and on and on, but that is the beauty of where we've gone with the show that we have got so many great friends of the show, so many great listeners. Shout-out to Dre. Shout-out to Andy Adams. Yeah. Shout-out to CJH up in Canada. We haven't talked to CJ in a while, so definitely want to shout-out him. Um, but for everybody that's been a part of this journey from day one and to where we are now, we I can't say thank you enough. On behalf of the team, I can't say thank you enough. Where we're going for next year, uh, I guess, do you guys want some spoilers? or? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> twitch.tv slash 607 podcast we're going to be starting to do some more streaming we are planning on doing coverage for san diego comic-con mm. and there has been some talk about maybe doing some live gaming on there as well coach Ooh. i mean if y'all want to watch me play some 2k or some madden i will definitely do it Let's yeah the new madden coming with sweat physics it makes me mad as hell that you know at another organization somebody took college football away from me because i was the college football guru baby i would take i i listen i was so into ncaa 14 i literally took a quarterback that i had recruited moved him to safety had him win jim thorpe award moved him back to quarterback and had him win the heisman the following year Damn. that's how deep into that game i was baby wow real deep that's impressive but now it's gone i can't now i can't lay claim yeah man i was deep i was i would literally circle like all right what recruit can i move where it was bad I had an addiction. If we start doing this gaming, which I think we're, we're in early phases of talking about, I think I need you versus Wonder Soul to make this. Yeah, happen. I'll play somebody in 2K, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think we're going to I found, happen. listen, I found my team. Don't tell him, all right? Don't listen to this. If you turn it off right now, the 91 Bulls, I am on fire with them right now. I just blew a team out by 20. I had Jordan drop 40, and I'm not even shooting threes. See, 
I might have. Let's a, go. I might have some competition with that for you, and that goes. I'm to, running the damn triangle on these bitches. They don't even know these young kids. Don't even know what's hitting them when I'm running this offense. Neither no. did the Knicks. Ah, oh. well, I mean that was because Mel was a black hole. But that's besides the point. Yeah, Jordan just. I mean, I'm dropping forty. Scotty Pippen's getting left open. I'm putting him in the corner, letting him shoot threes. Ooh, I don't even have Steve Kerr yet. I haven't unlocked that team yet. I think, like I said, I know somebody else that will step up for you, and that's Rich over at 8122 Productions slash 3FN Network. I mean, obviously, shout-out to those guys as well. Rich, Ron, and hashtag Big Natty Cool Diesel, Mike C from Horizon 607. Good dudes. Oh, great dudes. And they've all been supportive. And we always got to stress, too, it's not just a hashtag we throw up. We all hang out. And obviously, uh, Ricky and Don over at Dragon Master Games for allowing us to come over there when we want to do events has always been a big thing, too. And I know we have some more stuff coming down the line for streaming I, and streaming is uh, we've had a lot of people ask about that too hmm. so we're definitely going to try to see where we can run with that for twitch.tv slash 607 podcast the channel is up right now so definitely go check it uh listener discretion is advised because diesel is not behind a paywall mm-hmm. so dangerous you you, you you get all of the diesel you can handle uh that is not on patreon.com slash 8122 productions but obviously shout out to everybody over there and for some other events coming, uh, Yard Party and Tom Jolu are coming on the show as well. So, And they're the next musical groups that we're going to have on here. But I definitely have to give a shout-out to Fair City Fire, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Walking Distance, Second Suitor, Mike Paffy from Honker. Uh, just all the great groups that we've had on here that have allowed us to play their music. And I know I have a couple more bands that I'm getting in contact with now that want to come on the show, but I want to really stress, too, that the first groups that are coming on is going to be Yard Party and Tom Jolu because they were already scheduled to come on before C-19 mm. hits, so I want to definitely honor that first. But I can't say thank you enough to them. can't say thank you enough to Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who has been a great friend of the show, too. There are so many other people that I could really just give a shout-out to, and if you want to find out more about them, head on over to the ODPH directory. Real quick shout-out to my wife oh, for yeah. letting me come on the show yeah. and deal with Aaron. our five kids. Thank you for letting me do this. Love ya. Shout-out to Aaron about that as well. Shout-out to Liz <laughs> Bailey. Shout-out to everybody who's been supporting the ODPH since day one. And like I said, for more information on all the podcasts that we mentioned and the ones that, if I forgot about it, I'm, I apologize, head on over to the ODPH directory on ochodoroparlayar.com. Head on over to the Pod Chaser list around there. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Legion of Independent Podcasts. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse community. And of course, shout out to hashtag 607 Podcast. But I guess one more spoiler I want to say before I, I sign off for the show Locks and Leaps is coming up. Oh, boy. And, Pad, you have a belt to defend. Uh-huh. Two-time. Two-time, indeed. Back-to-back. Back. But we are going to attempt to do something. I've been talking with some other podcasts that have so been you're just throwing me a curveball. <laughs> yeah. That we are talking about splitting into two groups. Muddy up the waters a little bit. Yep. We're going to have the Facebook group, and that's going to be everybody who has been grandfathered in. So from the originals, hashtag 607 podcast group, it'll be pretty much us, 3FN, Andy, Molson, you know, Kevin Molson has come on the show a couple times. And then we're thinking about doing a split one maybe on the Yahoo okay. League, which is going to be invite only for our fellow podcasts that have come on that said they want a piece of pad and they want, <laughs> they want, they want to test their skills. I mean, listen, the only time I was ever in Jeopardy was the first year we did it, and I think JR was like a point behind me going into like the playoffs. 
and we we were like, oh, do we want to start doing doing for playoffs? I'm like, no, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you I up. shut that down quick. Rich got on there too. So I, I if we if we're not going to do it strictly on Facebook, we're going to do it in the group. But we are going to be inviting fellow podcasts. And I already have a list of people that have reached out and said they want in pad. All right. So stay tuned for that. As a wise man once said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Woo! Exactly. Keep an ear out for the ODPH football preview special because we will announce the final details for that. <clears throat> but for the podcast that we have announced that are in, I'm just going to save them, but you are all in for the list that I have right now. So a little foreshadowing. And if anybody's looking to get in, you have to hit me up on social media at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter and let me know, and we'll see if we can definitely have you join in for Locks and Leaps because this is going to be fun this year. It's going to be really, really fun. So that being said, the music you heard at this episode is that of Fair City Fire. Been our longtime supporting musical act out of Austin, Texas. They are great guys. We're going to do a double shot of them to close out this episode. You can find out about them and all the great bands I mentioned on OchoDoroPaleyR.com under the music section. The ODPH directory, that is Excite Wrestling. So, of course, shout out to Johnny Moose. And you can find out everything going on at Excite because they got some big things going on. Drive, drive Up Wrestling? Stay tuned. And obviously, of course, Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. And we also have links for voter registration and Black Lives Matter in in follow-up to the hashtag podcast blackout episode we did. So we definitely want to make sure that that is still going on. So if you want to support those organizations, please, please do. Also on the ODPH page, you can check out Parlay Points, the complimentary blog section, which I have to say, I guess is another spoiler. I'm going to kind of ruin a little bit. The ODPH is going to be involved in a competition on the Ghost of the Stratosphere Top 10 Challenge coming up. Okay. Where we're talking about the Top 10 Movie Franchises. Hmm. So I did get your picks in, and it's going to be factored in the blog. So when that vote comes out, please, please, please vote for us, because we have some very stiff competition that we are going to be facing for that one. And uh, it's, it's a great time, though, and shout-out to Ghost for allowing us to do that as well. Like I say, another thing that we've been able to build off of is just all the great relationships we have with other the, fel- the other fellow independent podcasts. So where do you find out about everything going on? ODPH, simple, OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Gentlemen, it's been three years. Let's keep it going. That is all I got for this week. So for the your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Thank you very much for listening and to many more years. The one and only Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Kenem. Thank you so much for giving us your time and listening to the Ocho Dural Parlay Hour podcast. We'll see you next time.